checking some work, but I finally have them. There's rumors, Amanda, that some of them have abilities. Oh, yeah. I have seen things. Maybe Superman was some kind of beacon for them to creep back from the shadows. This is now playing's DC Movie Universe Retrospective Series. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. Part of the now playing DC comic movie series. This means something. It's all some people have. It's all that gives them hope. Hosted by Arnie. They warned me about you. I didn't believe the stories. Nobody does. Stuart. Oh, I'm not gonna kill you. I'm just gonna hurt you. Really? Really bad. And Jacob. Hi, boys. At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the DC Universe movies featuring Superman. I grew up in Kansas, Jim. About as American as it gets. Batman. We just have a bad history with freaks dressed like clowns. Wonder Woman. Oh, I don't think you've ever known a woman like me. Suicide Squad. What the hell's wrong with you people? We're bad guys. It's what we do. And Justice League. Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Are you effing stupid? Listener discretion is advised. Let's go save the world. Today we're discussing Suicide Squad. Starring Will Smith, Jared Leto, Margot Robbie... Joel Kinnaman, Viola Davis, Jay Courtney, Jay Hernandez, Adewale Akinoye Agbaji, Ike Bryanholtz, Scott Eastwood, Kara Delavine, directed by David Iyer. Yo soy Arnie, El Diablo de now playing, he, it's on, bitch! Stuart in LA? Oh, here he is, the fire in your loins, the itch in your crotch, the one, the only, the infamous, Jacob. So here we are, we started the summer of so many new releases on now playing so many weekend release movies with a superhero movie marvel's captain america civil war we before that really started an early summer season with batman v superman we had deadpool for valentine's day it's superheroes nonstop around here i mean this is not some i had three months off you know that was what it was (laughs) Well, I view this as a bookend. Civil War kicked it off, Suicide Squad ends it off, right? Yeah, it definitely commits suicide. I mean, kids are about to go back to school, and this was it. We've kind of had a summer of lackluster movies since Civil War. Some I've recommended, some I haven't, but none I've been excited for. But man, was I excited for Suicide Squad. I think we're all in that boat. I think all of us, privately and on the air, have said when we talked about what was the most exciting summer movie, the one that had the most potential for creativity, that we just didn't even know what we were going to get, it was, yeah, DC's anti-Batman versus Superman. If that's the Justice League, these are going to be the villains. And how do you make a superhero movie about a bunch of supervillains? That intrigued me. Yeah, and I was excited about this because Suicide Squad, the concept in the comics, I mean, yeah, there was a version of it in the 50s where it was like Task Force X, World War II soldiers that would fight some monster while the rest of the soldiers were fighting Nazis. But in 1987, it was updated 
for this more modern concept about villains being used by the government to go do black ops. Like, literally in the comic, like, the president is Ronald Reagan, like, coming out of the Iran-Contra affair. This whole idea of, we're going to go into the Middle East, we're going to go into Cold War Russia, and we're going to use these bad guys to push American ideals. It it was over a five-year run, that original John Ostrander run, that great series, again, updated uh, around 2011 when DC rebooted with this more video game inspired, you know, the Batman Arkham game, that whole aesthetic, which I think plays into this movie more. But it's this concept I always like, like, let's get the villains to go do black ops. And, you know, if they don't do what they're told, we could just blow them up and kill them or blame them. I was so excited for this. I actually watched a DC animated movie. A lot of listeners suggested it as a prerequisite for Suicide Squad. Batman Assault on Arkham, which should just be called Suicide Squad. And I did a full review of this on the Gazette. You can go and read. But it introduced me to this concept. I didn't know Task Force X. I'm not a DC Comics guy. But I did enjoy seeing the source that I think this movie takes a lot of inspiration from. I mean, once I saw that animated movie, so much in this trailer clicked. I'm like, with the whole, you disobey me, you die. I'm like, oh, there's going to be explosives in their neck. And I saw this one guy come in, I'm like, oh, he's going to be the cow to the slaughter to prove the explosives are real. I mean, which is all taken from that original 87 run. I mean, Slipknot gets it almost the exact same way after Captain Boomerang convinces him there's, these bombs are fake. <laughs> it was KG Beast in... <laughs> oh, I love KG Beast in the comics. I don't know what he's like in that cartoon, but KG Beast is awesome. Coming from the Cold War, <laughs> believe it or not. I love the name. I didn't know KG Beast was in Batman v Superman until I saw the extended cut. Huh? Oh, someone took the bullet there. I was wondering. Uh, no, I watched that too. Where was KG Beast? Well, you both recommended it, so you deserve it. All right, I got to know. <laughs> Did your opinions improve? I'll say this. A lot of the questions I had, it answered. Like, I understand all the Africa stuff now. It actually made me like Superman a little bit more. Like, he doesn't just fly off after the Senate building is bombed. He he tries to help, and he gets shunned, and then he flies away. But it explains why he couldn't know that the bomb was there, because that wheelchair was, like, lined in lead, which stops his powers. So it, it did improve things. It's still a weak recommend for me. It's still three hours long, mm. and I that movie shouldn't be three hours long. Where was KG Beast, though, Arnie? Was was that that monster? They put that monster back in 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 the Kryptonian ship. I thought that was still Steppenwolf or whatever one of the new gods it was supposed to be. Yeah, it's Steppenwolf. I thought Steppenwolf was a band from the 70s, but no, it's a demon (laughs) in Batman v Superman. But KG Beast is the guy who kidnaps Martha. Okay, that's, that's a waste. But they also wasted Jimmy Olsen in that movie. He does a lot more in the extended cut. He kills an African-American woman for no apparent reason and a lot of other yeah, things. Yeah, no, they, they set things up better in that extended cut. I, it's not going to change your mind, though, Stuart. I, it, yeah. Whatever people's complaints were with that movie, this, I don't think, is going to really change your mind if you really did not like that film. It didn't sway my opinion at all. I mean, honestly, I recommended it before. I recommend it now. It feels more whole, but yet... 
it's still incredibly stupid at times. Like, Martha, why'd you say that name? I mean, seriously, that's stupid. And Doomsday is still ridiculous. It doesn't explain Lex's fascination with interstellar genomics. It doesn't improve a lot of things. Yeah, it helps Superman that he doesn't fly away. We actually get to see him do something heroic. But it's the same movie. The, it answered one question, but raised another big one. Why are people saying that's an incredibly different movie experience? It isn't. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get the R rating that it was supposed to have. I didn't notice any F words. I didn't. The violence didn't seem any more extreme. I don't know. Ben Affleck's butt shots there. I don't know if that was in the original. The violence is more extreme. I went to that site, Movie Censorship, that does a scene-by-scene, frame-by-frame breakdown. Uh, they must have finally updated it. I kept going there to see if they had updated it so I could tell if there were major differences. Like, in one scene, Batman punched twice, in another scene, Batman punched three times, and in the Nightfall dream, (laughs) Batman shot, whereas in the theatrical cut, he didn't. Now, I honestly believe, even though it's against MPAA guidelines to market your film based on a rating, I believe the R rating for that, and the killing joke, is just there to appeal to a teenage audience and go, oh my god, it's harder, but... Yeah, it's a really soft R. Okay. Did they ever have explanations? I heard Jenna Malone was supposed to be in the movie and she got cut. Did she appear? Yeah, she's there. She was supposed to be like Barbara Gordon. She just works at the police station. It's not... Oh, okay. Batgirl. Yeah. Yeah, they never state that. She doesn't really do anything. You get to see Clark Kent actually be an investigative journalist. He goes to Gotham. He talks to the family of the criminal that Batman branded. And so he that's where he gets a lot of his information. Again, Superman turns out better. Like, you get why he's more angry at Batman in this film. He's less of a dick. Okay. Well, again, I would say for people in your situation, that would make it an improvement. Yeah, it's still a weak recommend, though. Yeah, I ain't going to go watch it. Yeah, it doesn't sway my needle, positive or negative. If you didn't like the theatrical cut, I don't see this changing any minds. Yeah. In fact, I, th- I see it actually hardening negative opinions because it's three hours of the same. Yeah. <laughs> Which is about 30 minutes what we're talking about. Because that, I mean, that first one was long. I mean, it wasn't a, you know, a 90 minute lark. The theatrical cut was over two and a half hours. And it's... The tepid reaction to Batman v Superman that explains the movie we're discussing today. This isn't a Batman v Superman redo. This is Suicide Squad, and Batman v Superman caused some shakeups at Warner Brothers. Longtime producer Charles Roven, who had shepherded DC movies since Batman Begins, was removed from his position, and they brought in new editors and did everything they could under new leadership to try and make this more marvelly. Yeah, I mean they brought in Jeff Johns who's like one of the creative editors in chief at DC to kind of try to overlook all this now and try to save this. Just reading about the production of this film, like what happened during filming and what happened post Batman v Superman, there is so much going on that that explains this film and what we're going to get like wow, like Warner Brothers no confidence at all, is my opinion, after reading about what happened to Suicide Squad because of Batman v Superman. Kudos to director David Iyer, though, because this movie pretty much got Fantastic Ford. Oh, yeah. And with the studio actually doing one complete cut separate from the director's cut and then doing competing test screenings, 
But David Iyer has handled this with grace and said that the vision on screen is his vision. He will not be doing a director's cut. There is no other cut of this movie. And yet anything you read, it's the studio who did this cut. And even some of the scenes were filmed by Snyder, not Iyer. Well, you know, and that was what I wanted to bring up is it seems to be what you've held against the DC universe this far. The problems that you want to attribute it having has all been the fact that it has been from the creative genius, air quotes, of Zack Snyder. It's got to be exciting to know that this is going to be, ostensibly anyway, a new director at the helm. But you're saying he didn't get much influence? He sat in the chair and called action? No, he did the filming. He made this movie. He wrote it. He made it. And from what I can tell, this was supposed to be a much darker film than we ended up getting. He abused the actors. He would get them to fight, like really fight each other. Because he's like, you got to look like you could be able to fight. Jay Courtney, Captain Boomerang, like... Iyer just went up to him and, like, shaved part of his head. That explains his haircut here. Like, there are stories about what Leto did to get into the mind of the Joker, sending used condoms and pig heads, but Iyer was just as abusive to try to get people to really get into this role. It did seem like a very dark movie. Like, I'm, it, it sounds like there could have been a lot of lawsuits from the actors coming out of this. And Iyer has got an interesting story. He comes from our world, Arnie. He was, like, up from Champaign, Bloomington is where he grew up. And then became a teenage runaway and went to L.A. and lived in East Side, South Side. As a street hustler, that's usually how those stories end. I think he ran with gangs. And I okay. think that's what he speaks with authority on all of his projects before. I don't know if you've seen his work, but he wrote Training Day. He wrote Fast and the Furious. I know you saw that one. <laughs> I mean, I have seen so many he's written. U571, Training Day, Fast and Furious, and SWAT. Saw all those in theaters. Yeah, the one that sticks out to me that I've seen most recently was Fury, which is Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf and tanks in World War II. And that was very weird. Yeah, you get these dark action moments and then like you get a 20 minute scene of Brad Pitt like having tea with someone in France and their blown out house. I saw Fury. I didn't see End of Watch. I did see Training Day and I'll forgive him for Fast and the Furious because I think they just took that concept and put it in a different direction, but I see that he has a real affinity for Los Angeles gang culture. And if you were going to tell a story about a band of renegades, Suicide Squad, I can see why they would hire him. But, you know, that's so Hollywood to be like, we want someone dark, we want someone to bring authenticity, we want to give our commercial product a real sheen of respectability, and then go, oh my God, oh, this is way too hard. We can't do this. PG-13, oh my God. And, and then take it all away. That is always the neurosis of the Hollywood machine is that they want to bring in the darkest, most authentic people, and then they want to cut them down to nothing. I think the other problem was the success of the trailer for this film. Like, I think that was one of the things that all got us excited. Like, it was a great trailer when that came out. I'm like, wow, they might actually pull this off. That trailer was so successful that Warner Brothers hired... The editing team that did the trailer, which is a totally different style of editing than for a film, and brought them in to recut this to make it more like the trailer. That trailer, though, my God, did it work. I didn't know anything about Suicide Squad. I'd heard of Harley Quinn. I, of course, knew the Joker. I'd heard of Deadshot. I saw that trailer, and I'm like, 
wow, they've actually made a Guardians of the Galaxy. It looked like a blatant Guardians ripoff with the classic rock running and the jokes and the quips and the little bit of skin. I mean, we had a little Gamora skin in the trailer for Guardians. It wasn't in the movie. We had some Harley skin here. And I was really excited for this movie. I thought it could actually be a DC movie I could get behind as much as the Marvel ones. And I might have got a little hyped, you know, for the other shows I do. How many toys? <laughs> for Marvelicious Toys and Star Wars Action News, I've covered Toy Fair International in New York for 11 years running. And this is where they show off all the toys they're going to release for the year. And I accidentally, I kind of got in a little trouble. I saw this Harley Quinn statue and I was just like enamored. I just walked up to it like reverentially. And they're like, what are you doing in our booth? You don't have an appointment. I'm like, oh, shoot, sorry. And I was so excited when I was at Comic-Con. And I was so excited when I was at Comic-Con. I did make it a point to do the Suicide Squad VR experience by Samsung. It turns out if you had a Samsung device, you could jump the line too, and it was a six-hour line, meaning everyone had iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> but you walk in, and it looks like the bar. There's a tattoo area where they're only sadly giving temporary tattoos. Thank goodness. <laughs> I was so hyped. If they were giving real tattoos, I would have one. I kid you not. Ooh. I was that hyped. And we got to put on a VR Oculus Rift headset, and they showed us a scene. It was the scene about midway through the movie where they're storming the office building to rescue somebody that we'll talk about. And you got to watch it once. And I'm like, this is stupid because you're watching it on a screen. If I turn my head left and right, I saw nothing. But then you got to watch it again with a headset that was put on Margot Robbie. And so as you turn your head, you're seeing her hand come up and shoot. You're seeing her legs kick. You turn left. You see Will Smith shooting people. That was a lot of fun. I did. I might have looked down once or twice. <laughs> and yeah, I might have ordered that statue. And I might have ordered a few action figures. And I might have bought the entire wave of figures with the Build-A-Croc. I, I might have gone a little deep into this one. <laughs> That's perfectly within your character, though. That doesn't surprise me at all. You tend to get hyped about something, and there's no reason to feel bad about it. That trailer was awesome. I agree. I got very excited, and it wasn't because it reminded me of Gardens of the Galaxy. I thought that we were going to get the Dirty Dozen. I thought what they were selling us was the idea that, mag you know, Magnificent Seven, it, a team so bad, but it takes something bad to pull off an even worse job. That they were going to be asked to do the impossible. Uh, yeah, the trailers, the music, the Bohemian Rhapsody, all of it really seemed to click. I didn't know who these characters were, but I wanted to. It seemed like a good cast, a good mission, a good way to take DC further away from Marvel. I didn't know they were going to remake Garbage Pail Kids the movie. Wow, okay. Ouch. I, we'll have some stuff to discuss there. Alligator, Messy Tessie, Greaser Greg, <laughs> they're all here. <laughs> all right. I know a lot of people want to throw out Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's because of the music choices in that trailer, but I agree, Stuart. This, it's more Dirty Dozen, and I feel like, you know, Sony at one point said, we're doing a Sinister Six movie about the bad guys. I felt like mm. this was the way for DC to say, look, we're not Marvel. We are going to take this really weird concept as far as you know what most mainstream moviegoers think of a comic book movie we're going to do stories about awful people doing black ops missions and it, it might be funny but you know it's it, we talked about with our quentin tarantino 
retrospective for donors, you know, could he do a comic book movie? I almost feel like if he was going to do one, this would be the one. Like, i watching these trailers and the beginning of this film, and I'm, like, getting this Inglorious Bastards vibe. Like, that's what I was hoping for. Oh, God, don't talk to me about that really I mean, I just, the acting was bad in that if Quentin Tarantino directed Suicide Squad that had, like, Django and everything. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about... Tarantino actually directing a Suicide Squad movie. I feel like everything was on track for all of us to really enjoy. The world was ready. I mean, they were predicting record-breaking weekends. It may still even achieve them. But it all came crashing down, oh, Monday, I think it was, when they actually had the premiere. And all of a sudden, Rotten Tomatoes becomes the bastion of critics who did not enjoy this film and started a culture war between fanboys and critics. Aren't they just an aggregator? It's it's not like they pick the critics that they're going to score, right? They just take all the critics, don't they? Correct. You know what I tweeted, and I stand by this. These whiners who are doing this petition to shut down Rotten Tomatoes are going to be the same freaking ones going, oh my god, Justice League is infallible because it has an 82% on RT if it gets that. I'm not saying it will. I'm just saying the moment it appeases them, they're going to worship it. But because it doesn't say what they like, and it doesn't even say anything. It just does take critics from around the globe and puts math to them. I would sign a petition to shut down Rotten Tomatoes just because I don't like it being invoked when you say you like a movie. Oh, but Rotten Tomatoes says it's 11%, so you're wrong. Their math is questionable, their statistics unreliable, and people treat it with a reverence that it doesn't deserve, so I'd shut it down for those reasons. But <laughs> you can't change the critics' minds. They're going to say what they're going to say. If you don't like it, well, that's when I guess critics start getting death threats, which they do, and that's pathetic. And people are screaming for this without having seen it. Again, those trailers are so good, it has convinced them they're going to love this movie, and there's no way you're going to change my mind. It's the opposite of Ghostbusters, which the trailers were so bad, everyone's just assumed it should be awful, and they complain about Rotten Tomatoes scoring it too high. Here's the thing. I see Rotten Tomato scores, and I take that as a challenge. Like, when Batman v Superman, I'm going to go, okay, I really, what did they see or not see that I'm seeing in this film? Or, or that Fantastic Four reboot, which was, what, like a seven? Which that Like, that to me is just a challenge to really look at a film and, and try to see, is, is something being missed by mainstream critics? Is, is this something that only comic book people could really like i do use it as that i i don't use it as gospel at all well here's the thing i wasn't nervous i mean when i saw that i was like it doesn't mean that if it gets a really low number it doesn't mean that it's more and more hated it just means there's more and more agreement and consensus between the critics that something is not working and well the idea that something's not working in a dc movie that's almost a given i mean just the way that they're <laughs> making these things they're, they don't have their act together. I figured it was going to be messy, but I knew from the trailer there were things that I liked. So I felt confident I was going to get a movie that had at least some things that were working. I went in Thursday night, opening night, to a very crowded theater, IMAX 3D, and saw it with uh, cosplayers and, and people that were ready to party. How'd you guys see it? Yeah, I went Thursday night as well, 6 p.m. showing, which was the first preview showing. 2D. But a pretty packed theater, like it, it was not sold out, but pretty full. No cosplayers at mine. But you know, this you, you said this may bomb. It, it did break the record for preview. It did more than Guardians than the Galaxy for preview night, and it may take the record for the weekend. I've seen this movie twice now. 
and read a transcript. I saw it first Thursday night at 6 p.m. I don't know whose idea it was to premiere it an hour earlier than they usually do, but that meant I had to leave work early, and I saw it IMAX 3D. There were some kind of hot Harley cosplayers in the audience, and I was like, well, okay. And I mean hardcore cosplay. Like, I'm not just talking a half-assed costume. I'm talking like you'd see in San Diego. They had the jacket. They had the tattoos. Was it the short shorts or was it the jester outfit? Which Harley was it? Oh, they were short shorts. (laughs) I actually posted a picture of one of them to our Facebook page. So it was half-assed costumes. (laughs) Yeah. But the theater itself, it was moderately full. When I stepped out, though, the non-IMAX showings had huge lines. The theater was packed. I think a lot of people just didn't want to spend IMAX dollars, I guess. I then went back on Friday night, this time down to St. Louis, in search of our Winter Soldier fourth reviewer. She was not at the theater, sadly. Not a lot of people were at the theater. (laughs) She must be a Marvel fan, then. Yeah, she had to be, but this was... The full IMAX, the first IMAX was like one of those faux IMAXs. This one was a hardcore giant IMAX display. 3D wasn't very good on either. I mean, it it was good, Mm -mm. but it didn't add anything. But the 7 p.m. Friday showing, I actually had some thoughts that this movie might be very front-loaded to Thursday, but... They've got Friday's numbers in. This thing's headed for $140 million in one weekend, so... Yeah. No matter what anyone thinks, we're getting a sequel. <laughs> well, the break-even point is $800 million global. Mm. Uh, but they said if they come anywhere close to that number, then they'll consider it a win. Well, let's see if we do. Arnie, why don't you give them the plot? We can get into Suicide Squad. All right, you guys sit back and relax a little. There's a lot of characters in this. <laughs> but not a lot of plot. Can you shake your hips as you do this plot summary and and have black magic rise from your shoulders? I wish. That would be awesome. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to turn into Dance Dance Revolution. (laughs) I was getting a real From Dusk Till Dawn vibe there, but... After the death of Superman, the U.S. government is actively seeking new ways to defend the nation from metahuman terrorism. That's where Amanda Waller, played by Viola Davis, comes in. She has a program dubbed Task Force X that takes supercriminals, plants explosives in their necks, and forces them to do her bidding. On the team, she has earmarked Deadshot, real name Floyd Lawton, played by Will Smith. Deadshot is a contract assassin who never misses his mark. He has a deep love, though, for his daughter Zoe. Harley Quinn, real name Harleen Quinzel, played by Margot Robbie. This former Arkham Asylum psychiatrist fell in love with the Joker, played by Jared Leto. In response, Joker gave her electroshock treatments and had her jump into a vat of chemicals, making her even crazier than he is. Captain Boomerang, aka Digger Harkness, played by Jay Courtney. This Aussie jewel thief uses boomerangs as weapons. (laughs) Nothing else to say, I agree. El Diablo, real name Chato Santana, played by Jay Hernandez. El Diablo is a fire starter who, in a fit of rage, burned down his house and killed his wife and two children. Now he is devoted to a life of pacifism. Killer Croc, real name Waylon Jones, played by Adewale Akinoye Agbaji. This person has a skin deformity that makes him look like a crocodile, and he has since become an animalistic cannibal. Slipknot, real name Christopher Weiss, although I don't know that's ever said in the movie. Thank you, Wiki. 
played briefly by Adam Beach, a man who can climb anything. He kind of got the short end of the stick on that superpower thing. And finally, the Enchantress, a 6,000-year-old extra-dimensional witch who inhabits the body of archaeologist Dr. June Moon, played by Cara Delevingne. The witch is unstoppably powerful, but Waller has the witch's heart, which she keeps in a briefcase. As long as she has the heart, Enchantress must do her bidding. Leading this team is Moon's lover, Colonel Rick Flagg, played by Joel Kinnaman. The government approves Waller's Task Force X program, but their first mission is actually going after one of their own. Enchantress teleports to Waller's room to steal her heart back, but instead finds an idol containing the spirit of her brother Incubus. She releases her brother, who starts to rain terror on Midway City. Is Corn and Papa Roach around? What, what is this? <laughs> I want some Limp biscuit. Incubus? Slipknot? Yeah, what the hell? Some P.O.D.? I want some insane clown posse. Unfortunately, we get Joker. Who does act like a juggalo in that matter of fact. Enchantress and Flag are sent to stop Incubus, but Enchantress joins him. So now the rest of Task Force X is assembled to invade Midway City and rescue the mysterious HVT-1, which isn't a disease, but actually the only person who must survive this assault. They are joined by Flag's cohort Katana, a swordswoman whose blade entraps the souls of all she kills. The group invades Midway City, though Slipknot tries to escape and has his head blown off for it. And in the city, they come under the assault of mutated humans, transformed into strange soldiers by Enchantress. Still, the group fights their way to a high-rise to rescue their target, who turns out to be Amanda Waller herself. But things fall to hell when, first, the Joker and his gang hijack the group's rescue helicopter so the gangster and Harley can again be together, and Waller has the chopper shot down, though Harley does fall to safety on a nearby roof. Then Waller herself escapes on a chopper, leaving the team behind, but Incubus brings the Huey down, capturing Waller, and Enchantress puts a tentacle in Waller's ear, siphoning all the top-secret knowledge. Enchantress also gets her heart back from Waller, which Incubus replaces in the witch's chest. At this point, the task force has had enough and go for drinks. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> but there, Flag rallies them to do something good for once, and they unite to go fight Enchantress. Diablo dies in a fight against Incubus, but has distracted the god long enough to have him killed by a high-powered explosive. Then Enchantress asks all the fighters to join her, and she will fulfill their every wish. Harley seems to go for it, but it's a ruse so the crazy criminal can use Katana's sword to cut out Enchantress's heart. Now weakened, the team works together to defeat the witch, and Flag destroys her heart, which he thought would also kill his girlfriend, but, in fact, releases June Moon from the spell. Waller safe and the Enchantress defeated, Deadshot is rewarded with a visit with Zoe, and the group goes back to prison with 10 years off their life sentences. Triple life sentence, yeah. And the case of Boomerang, but we'll discuss if that's just. And the movie ends with the Joker, not as dead as we thought, breaking into the prison and rescuing Harley, as credits roll to a scene of Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne and Waller having a discussion. Apparently Waller's scared that her head's gonna roll as a result of the Task Force X Midway City thing, but Wayne says he'll protect her from the investigation in exchange for files on other metahumans on Earth, which he will use to form the Justice League next year. 
Whew, a lot of characters. I'm just going to start by saying too many characters. So many get the short shrift. Katana, why are you here? Slipknot, you poor dude. I hope you have no fans. He doesn't. This is what happened to him in the comic book. Like, he got his, it was just his arm in the comic. He's Dollar Bill. <laughs> And Boomerang, does he do anything? We'll discuss it. But Jay Courtney, this is making your Terminator role look fortunate. Oh, no, I think this is Jay Courtney's best role after seeing him in Awful Die Hard film and Terminator Salvation. I think this is the most fun he's ever had in a movie. Oh, I agree his performance is good, but what he's given to do is not. He gets to drink a lot and play with the unicorn. Was that not inserted post-Deadpool? They did a lot of reshoots. Oh, yes, it definitely was. I researched, I'm like, Captain Boomerang, unicorns. I couldn't find anything on that. That had to be a Deadpool thing. You know, the movie is confusingly edited. It starts actually with showing some of the more fun characters, the stars of the movie, having an intro. But I think the way to begin talking about this is by talking about Amanda Waller, who is the mastermind behind Task Force X. She has a really good intro scene where she's meeting with Pentagon Top Brass in a cleared out restaurant, and she walks past a street vendor who's selling Superman shirts And we're reminded that, indeed, we're supposed to still believe that Superman is in that crypt, that he is still dead, and that the world changed twice, once when he flew, and then once when he didn't fly. I do like the music in this, and we're introduced to each of these characters at the beginning with a song, Amanda Waller's is Sympathy for the Devil. The music choices aren't exactly subtle. On the nose. (laughs) I do really like that song. I think it's used to great effect, and when we see her, we know she is going to be a bit of a trickster. Later on, Harley's going to see her for the first time and say, are you the devil? Indeed, she is a person as ruthless as any of her recruits. Which is weird, because what happened to Angela Bassett? She was Amanda the Wall Waller. Remember Green Lantern? Yeah, I remember you talking about the character then, and insisting that she was a fearsome force to be reckoned with and i was like and eh, not getting it yeah not in that movie but again in the comic book she's look the original version she is built like period the refrigerator she is a big black woman that stares down batman and batman gets scared like she is tough and i feel like this actress viola davis she doesn't have that physicality but i do love how like ruthless and cold she is she is the devil in this film yeah she is good in this i did see amanda waller i wasn't really familiar with her i'd forgotten she was in green lantern you just said this jacob But she was the driving force in that assault on Arkham, just like she was here. And so I knew what to expect. Viola Davis, I've seen her in some stuff. I don't watch her show on ABC, but... She got this role because she does this every week on how to get away with murder. She is the impossible to, like, college professor or who teaches criminology as she murders people and gets away with it. She is always being that week after week. But she's also played nice. Uh, She got an Oscar nomination for being the help. She's diverse. I like her as an actress. I think she works as the centerpiece for this team. I'll say that I think she's as tough in real life as she is in this movie, though, because as you mentioned, Jacob, Jared Leto was sending people strange gifts. He went deep in character for this. And when they asked Davis what Leto sent her... She's like, 
absolutely nothing because I'm married to Julius Tenen. He's a football player. And if Leto had played that shit with me, I'd have just sent him after him. <laughs> yeah, no nonsense is I think how you sum up Davis and this character. And she has got it all together, even though we're going to see the origin stories and, and how each person came into her captivity. When she's walking into this meeting, she is basically crowing that she has the worst of the worst already in her captivity that she could do anything with them. Is this a good plan? I mean, I understand this is the comic <laughs> basis, but really, imagine this in the real world. We're in a war. We need some covert operatives. Let's get Charles Manson and Jeffrey Dahmer. And <laughs> I mean, look, there are stories that Italian gangsters were used in World War II. You know, the Hell's Angels wanted to go over to Vietnam. I wouldn't be surprised if WikiLeaks someday released some emails uh, that outline plans like this. Well, you talk about hell's angels it worked so well when they were the rolling stones security guards didn't it it's well they <laughs> needed explosives in their necks <laughs> here's the thing about it is i agree if they're just meant to do things that we don't think our country engages in it does make sense because yeah we can kill them and it doesn't matter but what she's saying is superman is dead who is going to protect us from the next superman i'm like why aren't you recruiting superman he's dead come on he's dead forever you are having meetings with Bruce Wayne. I think you know he's creating Justice League. Isn't that who you want to partner with, at least as the official face of U.S. security? She can't put an explosive in his neck. No, I bet she could. I don't think she gets by with negotiation. I think she gets by with abject terror. Right. But it's a little wonky. I mean, I think we can all agree. It's a little strange that she's so happy she's got all of these misfits together because somehow that will be a perfect team. To be determined. I can see why the Pentagon would fund it and see where it goes, but I wouldn't think that this is going to be our protection from a world full of metahuman armies. Unfortunately... I don't think she has the worst of the worst. What she has is a whole bunch of bad guys with hearts of gold, right? I mean, seriously, <laughs> this is the nicest group of murderers I have ever seen. Yeah, that is the problem with this kind of movie, especially if it's going to star Will Smith, is you want them bad, but can you really have them that bad? They're going to try to convince us of that later on, but that is a problem. If you want people rooting for your antiheroes, they can't be 100% criminal. Deadshot or Deadpool? I get them confused, I must admit, <laughs> particularly when he puts on that silly mask. Deadshot's been around a long time, typically a Batman villain, and we'll see him face off against Batman here, but one of the more popular villains in the DC Universe, not, you know, he's not a Joker or Penguin, but he's that second level, he, he's quite popular now. He's like Venom, though, right? He started off as a bad guy and then became like a Punisher, like anti-hero. I, I know his name, which means he probably had his own book at some point. It wasn't a book about him just killing in cold blood. <laughs> No, no, he has become an anti-hero, you know, even here, when we see him doing a hit, it's against a mafia guy, it's not like he's going after an innocent woman, and he'll even say he doesn't kill women and children later on. Again, I think that that is a way of reassuring us that we haven't seen Will Smith in a while, and he's kind of weird, I mean, his kids are dressing up as Batman and going to prom, <laughs> so maybe we don't think of him as our best celebrity movie star anymore we have to have early scenes that remind us that he is still sass talking has a moral compass 
you know, the real villain is when he's being served prison food. It's this Griggs guy who takes opportunities to tie him to a chair and have guards just wail on him. He is instantly sympathetic. Before we ever understand that he is a assassin, we understand that he is a man in prison. And I'll say this about Will Smith. I'm glad he's not doing Oscar bait. He may be doing Razzie bait at this point, but... Tell the truth, Jacob. Tell the truth. <laughs> I feel like this is old Will Smith coming back. Phil Jackson, Golden Triangle. Like, yeah, he, he's talking off the cuff. I, I like this Will Smith in this film. Stuart, you said we haven't seen him in a while. Did you not watch Focus? I watched Focus. No one watched Focus except you <laughs> and Margot Robbie's mom. I mean, Deadshot and Harley Quinn together for the first time in that really uninteresting movie that I literally watched half of and came back like three months later, like, fine, I'll finish it. <laughs> yeah, probably because you knew that they were coming out in this movie and you wanted to be able to talk about it in reference, but... No, actually, I thought the trailers looked really good for that. The trailers lied. It was, it was not a very good film, but he was decent in it. I think the script let him down, but I thought he was okay in that movie. Robbie was okay in that movie. Here, I do see a little of the old Will Smith, though. He's got some of that spark. I can kind of feel where I am guessing he's ad-libbing lines. Certain bits of dialogue don't mesh with other bits of dialogue, but it's good to see him back. And I will say right now, what you said in our Independence Day Resurgence podcast is true. Will Smith picked the better choice of the two movies to do. <laughs> to be determined. I'm not really ready to commit to that. My question for The Room, though, is who is a better ad-libber? Will Smith or Ryan Reynolds? Because I definitely feel like they're both trying to give that same performance here as the affable hitman who, you know... That's a little unfair because Ryan Reynolds... Almost no limitations, I think, on what he could ad-lib in an R-rated film. So true enough. I think he just had more freedom. Yeah, that's true. I think Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. I, I honestly believe that. Like, I believe he goes home at night and takes off prosthetics and he's all burned and <laughs> scarred underneath. Whereas I believe Deadshot is Will Smith being Will Smith. This is the star of the squad. We are to understand by casting Will Smith... By having him be so much like Deadpool, he could have his own solo movie down the road, that this is the character with the most dimension. So I ask, is it enough dimension? Do you feel like you get a good handle on this character's conflict? He's got a lot of pathos regarding his honor student daughter who knows he's a hitman but loves him anyway. I haven't seen Willow Smith in a decade or so. I understand she has some song about her hair. I don't know. But this actress who plays Zoe is so bad. I just assumed it was Willow because there's absolutely no excuse for having an actress this bad in this movie if it isn't a nepotism. Yeah, you know, as far as Deadshot goes, this is not Christopher Nolan doing this film. I feel like they give him enough. They give him a family conflict. He wants to be with his daughter. We see him before he's thrown into prison. You know, he's, he's trying to get custody of her, trying to spend time with her, taking her shopping, but she knows he's a bad man. It, very cliche but it's enough for this film agreed yeah and i like that he's taken out by batman i got excited i knew affleck was going to cameo in this film i'd seen the scenes of him chasing the joker and so i figured that would be his only appearance so to see him here and fighting against deadshot 
I got a little jazzed. It was a lot of geek fun to see those two go at it on screen. And Zoe, it seems like Deadshot gets the upper hand, although I imagine Batman could have just blocked behind a bulletproof cape or something in another movie. But here Zoe gets in the way of the gun and Deadshot gives himself up in order to be the man he thinks his daughter wants him to be. Yeah, he's a martyr. I mean, they have... uh Christ imagery throughout this. He's wearing a crucifix in this scene. I am the light. The way is embroidered on his collar. Yeah, his opening scene when he's getting the loaf, he's saying something like, I'm going to rain down on you. He talks about their mission being a chapter in the Bible. I do think that he is identifying as someone. He Exactly so. He could have killed Batman, no problem. He made a choice not to kill Batman because really his daughter was there. It was Christmas and he was like, all right, I'm going to get in the holiday season and go to jail. Plus, this is a PG-13 movie. The thing I'll say is you mentioned Griggs, and if you're going to have a movie about the worst of the worst, Griggs is feeding him what he calls loaf with toenails and rat shit in it, and he's just a mean guy. Later, when Deadshot is being, basically, he calls it cheerleader tryouts for the Suicide Squad, he puts a gun to Griggs' head. I'm like, yes, convince me you are a bad guy. Griggs is a bad guy. Griggs does nothing good this whole movie. Blow his head off. I want to be convinced these people are bad. And Griggs is evil enough that killing him wouldn't turn me against a dead shot. You know, it seems like one of those movie justifiable homicides. And no, dead shot, he doesn't kill women. He doesn't kill children. He doesn't kill bullies. He is a hero. And that is a bit disappointing. Very. And I think that some of that is casting. Honestly, if we would gotten Wesley Snipes in this part who has gone to prison and we haven't seen in almost the same amount of time, the 90s. Yeah, we might see a more threatening character. I was thinking, Wesley Snipes, this movie's use it is own it. (laughs) But own it, that's a line spoken by Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie, who I understand that technically Will Smith is a bigger name. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know that he has as much buzz going into this film as Robbie. I mean, I was at Comic-Con and the entire cast, Jared Leto, Margot Robbie, Will Smith, walked past me and I went in like insane mode. Like I was at a rock concert. I took over 400 photographs. I was more enthralled by Robbie than Smith. Well, yes, you've got a camera. I'd imagine that would be the the focus. I'm going to say this. Uh, This movie doesn't have a lot of good ideas. There's a dearth of things going on in this film. But it's one great idea was to put Margot Robbie in this role and just let her loose. Unfortunately, I feel like it's an idea that runs its course before the movie runs out of time. I think she's great in this movie in little moments. But as it goes on, her accent starts to slip. She ends up doing too many things that are are too much alike. It's like, how many times can she walk in a scene and gleefully hit someone with a bat? At some point, she needs a script. And unfortunately, Robbie is ready for this, but the movie doesn't know what to do with her. Will Smith is supposed to be the star of this film, but the actual star is Harley Quinn. And and maybe that's because of Robbie's performance. I mean, Harley Quinn is a 
huge character now. She almost does feel like the Deadpool of the DC Universe. She's got two or three titles in the comics. She's just that wacky character who actually came from the animated cartoon. She is one of those like rare things that crossed over instead of from the comics to TV or movies. She actually started in that cartoon and was so popular, she made it over to the comics and that popularity has stayed. I mean, I'm sure there's a ton of Harley Quinn cosplayers at Comic-Con, Arnie, but there's always been. Yes, especially since Arkham Asylum, though. That video game. When they sexed her up, yeah. Well, they changed her character. They made her more evil. Evil. They took her out of the jester outfit. Yeah. The one thing I'll say about this costume, I found out on the internet, like before this movie was out, this whole look is early Debbie Harry. And I, I do like what they came up with, with the torn shirt and everything. But if you see that old picture of Debbie Harry, the short shorts, the torn shirt, all of it is just, it's stolen. Oh yeah, I saw that too. And yeah, it looks just like that Debbie Harry photo. I, I do gotta say, I was surprised they do have a quick shot of her in that Jester's outfit, which came right from a comic book cover by Alex Ross, who's a very good artist, you know, with Joker in the tuxedo and Harley Quinn in that Jester's outfit. Like, they actually did put her in it for a couple of seconds. I was so glad. I'm sure the Harley Quinn fans were as happy as with that as if we'd actually gotten to see Wolverine in the yellows in the Wolverine. But Fox was afraid to go there. And Robbie... I was a little surprised to see her pulling out that Wolf of Wall Street accent. <laughs> I'd say the same one. She never slips back to her native Aussie accent, but she does slip into just Midwestern American at times. But she does really look the part. She plays the part well. Her backstory is told here. This movie is edited in such a way as to jump us right into the characters. It's told... Again, you said if Tarantino were to make this film, some of the editing feels like he did. We're going to find out her backstory an hour in. Yeah, I definitely feel like they do these graphics and, you know, all, all these details about him with a, you know, neon colored icon. And I, I do feel like they're trying to tap into that. Did you guys catch that in Harley Quinn's title card? It says she takes responsibility for the death of Jason Todd, that Robin outfit we saw on BVS. No, I missed that. Who? Jason Todd, who was Robin at one point. Oh, well, n the answer is no, I did not understand that she killed Robin. But okay. And there was a lot that was going on. And I feel, again, this movie is ill-served by the way that it is cut. I really wanted to linger on moments. First of all, we got the Joker. Why wouldn't we want to see more of that? I wanted to see how a therapist that works at an insane asylum is going to be seduced by a patient. I mean, that is quite a trick. And the idea that it's done in montage, that we're just supposed to accept it because, I don't know, Jared Leto is just so charismatic. How could you resist those silver teeth, Stuart? <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like her character, and again, a very popular character with comic book fans, I do feel like they may be a little bit let down because... If this is all we're going to get of her, I, who knows? She may get a solo movie, but I feel like this is her backstory that we're going to be told. And she has this, yeah, rich, deep backstory that made her such a popular character that she was the psychiatrist that was turned by the Joker and, and totally devoted to him to go into a life of crime. And here, I don't quite understand all the montages were given of her. Like, yeah, okay, she's in Arkham Asylum with the Joker. I get that. But then she, she's what, going to become a stripper for the Joker? 
My biggest problem is I don't want to see more of Dr. Harleen Quinzel. First of all, stupid name. I think... Uh, we got a June moon in this film. I mean, it is comic books. <laughs> I know, but I think DC drew a short straw on some of these names. But when she plays a doctor, I wanted to see her as a psychiatrist. I wanted to see her as a competent psychiatrist and sell me that somehow she gets convinced to bring Joker a machine gun. She plays a doctor in a role like I would see in a porno. Like, she's just putting on the glasses and the white coat so she can then take them off later. See, here's the thing. You can say that this is Tarantino-esque, but Tarantino would slow the action down and give you 10 minutes of talking. You would see a therapy session in which she got turned. And that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see a good five minutes of her and Leto uninterrupted by music and noise and background flash. I really wanted to see how she got turned. And I think we were owed that, given that this is the first time the character has ever been in a live-action movie. Well, it's dead shots, too. I don't think this movie has the time, given the number of characters it has. That we get as much as we do. Yes, it's montage. And yes, it's really drawn out in ways that... Seeing this movie the second time helped me a lot, because... Quinn reacts in certain scenes in ways that the first time I watched it, I'm like, what is up? But the second time, I'm like, oh, they're going to explain that later in a flashback. Not the greatest editing in the world. In fact, piss poor. Yeah, that's shitty. But it is there. No, no, no. I'm not saying there is no explanation. I'm saying let us enjoy it. Let us understand about psychological seduction. It is the Joker, after all. I'll agree with you on that, Stuart. Their romantic relationship is kind of a big deal in this movie. That's why the Joker keeps coming back to be a plot device and, and to make certain things happen. But I feel like, yeah, five minutes. Again, I don't need a whole origin story for her, but I would have liked to see more than 30 seconds of them. The Joker asking for a machine gun and being okay. Now, if I could just speak to some of the controversy around this film for a moment, though. Before people had even seen the movie, people were complaining, oh my god, the movie shows off too much of Margot Robbie's ass and not enough of her character, and oh my god, it's an abusive relationship that they're romanticizing. She jumps into that vat of her own volition. I honestly got more of a Fifty Shades S&M relationship than I got abusive out of it. Like, she's the sub of it. She even wears a collar, which is a big thing among that crowd. So... I don't think either of those arguments are really well-founded. I, I think that's always been part of her character, is that she is a character that is manipulated by a man to do crazy things. And there are times that the Joker is abusive. And even in that cartoon in those early comics, I think this is a more extreme version because it's based off of that video game, which is more extreme because it's appealing to teenage boys that want to have Batman punch things to death. Oh, and can I just say, I love that game. You recommended it during Batman v Superman. I've been like playing it ever since. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very popular. There's a bunch of them out, but I do feel like they take this further, but it's not unprecedented. Can we take a moment to talk about Leto? I know that there's very few moments <laughs> yes. in the film to actually devote it to him. But, you know, I was one of the few that did not complain when they released that first shot of him as Little Wayne, you know, with the tattoos <laughs> and the silver teeth. I was like, okay, this seems very much a contemporary conception of Joker. I like it. But when I actually see Leto giving a performance, it seems like a hodgepodge of Nicholson and Ledger. I don't feel like he has enough time to make anything distinctive about his own Joker. I'm with you when 
they showed him and the internet, as the internet is wont to do, raged, raged, raged. I'm like, you know, you've got Nicholson. And everyone's like, how can anyone stand in Nicholson's shadow? But then Ledger comes, wins a posthumous Oscar for it. And now everybody's like, oh my God, now the Joker is untouchable because a dead man won an Oscar. And so you got to do something different. I felt the same way about female Ghostbusters. You can't stand in that shadow. You can't try to replicate. Do something different. You're going to give me Gangsta Joker? Great. And they did cut 10 minutes of Leto out. And in fact, a reporter asked him yesterday what scenes were cut. And he's like, more importantly, were any scenes left in? He went full method to be mostly on the cutting room floor, but I don't care for him. I don't like the acting. I don't like the performance. I don't like Leto in this role. He's fine. I don't dislike him either, but Nicholson, Ledger, this guy's on par with Cesar Romero in my mind, possibly below. That's not a bad thing for me. Like, I was skeptical. Heath Ledger taught me to try to keep my cool when casting choices are made because I'm like, oh, well, that movie's going to be awful. And then The Dark Knight was amazing. But I saw this. You know what helped me contextualize this Joker? It wasn't Little Wayne. It wasn't actually Insane Clown Posse. Thanks to our underrated movies we recommend book, I had to watch Chappie. And I was introduced to Diant Word, who is this, like, South African rap duo that I've just become fascinated with. And like, this is the ninja who's the male singer. And I feel like Harley Quinn's the Yolandi of this weird Joker Harley Quinn version here in this film. Like he's so out there. Yeah, I do feel like he's on par with Cesar Romero, which is a good thing. I don't think there's ever really been a bad Joker. Cesar Romero, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Mark Hamill. They're all different interpretations, and I've enjoyed them all. And I, Leto's here. It's fine for the few minutes he's here. I don't think that they thought about him beyond his look, is what I would complain, is that when he gets to speak, when the scene happens, when he electroshocks her, are you going to kill me, Mr. J? No, I'm just going to hurt you real bad. That's a Nicholson line, not from Joker, but from The Shining. I'm like, you're not even trying to have him differentiate from what the other actors have brought to that. And that setup, he has one plot here, and I want someone to explain it to me, that Common, the rapper, comes in as Monster T, and they're in a club, and at some point, Joker offers up Harley for sex, and and Common ends up getting shot. I don't know what the scene is. Does that demonstrate that Joker is bad or that the screenwriter is bad? What I think they're setting up here is you can't even talk about Harley. He is so possessive of Harley that when Common says, you got a bad bitch, boom, he's dead. You looked at Harley. And so they're playing with him going, oh, you like my girl? Here, have my girl bullshit he was gonna shoot common from that very moment and common realizes it and is like oh no dude dude i'm, I'm backing off he's too late okay it was weird because i thought common was going to have a bigger part here he's like fifth build or something in the credits it was a little shocking yeah he's an oscar winning rapper but hey no he is just an extra that is going to get shot for giving harley too much of a stare and i guess joker doesn't get that much more screen time than him because next thing we know they're in a purple lamborghini and batsy is ruining date night not a lamborghini custom kit car the song on the soundtrack is purple lamborghini but that car is not actually oh okay i just assumed because of the rick ross skrillex thing okay so did i and then i got really schooled by the internet (laughs) they'll do that 
Yeah, I, at this point, I'm like, okay, is Batman just going to catch all the criminals here? <laughs> like, because this is his second appearance. He jumps on the roof. This is what I saw in production shots. I wouldn't mind if Batman caught all the criminals, really. I legitimately, though, thought that there would be an extended Joker-Batman backstory. I thought Robin would come up. I did, too, and I think it's been cut. They made an action figure. And I'm not talking about one company, one figure. They made, like, four or five action figures of Joker-Batman, where it was, like, a painted white bat suit. I saw those, yeah. I don't know if Wayne was in it or if Joker was in it. I thought that was Will Smith's son was in it. (laughs) No, and it was, like, painted green, purple, and white and all this. And it was tied to this movie. I wonder if there was an intense Robin death here to really sell us the Joker as primeval. Or Harley Quinn, who supposedly killed him, I guess. Well, Harley Quinn claims to have killed him. I thought Harley would take the blame for it based upon that title card. I wonder if when they were trying to lighten this movie and turn the Dirty Dozen into Guardians of the Galaxy, they felt, well, that's too harsh, so let's cut something that would be really cool. I can see it now, because you keep saying it and when I look at the release date, but Guardians of the Galaxy was not in my mind. Again, I thought that I was getting Dirty Dozen. I thought that this was going to be a war movie. And I agree. If you don't need to show the bad acts that they've done in the past, you need to give them something that indicates just a scar or something that leads you to believe they're the worst. But, again, I end up feeling sorry for Harley because she gets punched in the face here. Did she? They really literally pulled their punch there. Batman puts his fist up. I hear a thunk. But that fist never moves. I didn't know if he shot something at her, if he punched her, what happened. Then they have the CPR, which would have meant so much more had we just seen Robin die to see Batman have to choose to save the life of a person who killed his partner. Mm, yeah. You're right. That would be good. But instead, it's just her wet dripping in a mug shot. I do like her here, though. I mean, we are introduced to her in the prison, told she beat up five guards. She's licking the bar, trying to seduce Griggs and use her sexuality. We see that they're tasing her and force feeding her through her nose with a ball gag in so she doesn't harm the prisoners. And... I mean, Griggs, again, deserves to die when he's, like, taking selfies with her going, Spring break! Again, that reinforces the idea that our sympathies are with her. That we don't think of her as Sherry Moon Zombie. We think of her as a victim. And no, Batman is not going to catch every criminal because they got to give the Flash something to do here with Captain Boomerang. I knew Batman couldn't bust Captain Boomerang. That's a Flash bad guy, a nemesis. Oh, okay. Man, Captain Boomerang, what a silly name, Captain Boomerang. Look, the whole idea of the Suicide Squad came about because DC had just taken 50 years of continuity and multiverses and squeezed it into one universe where they had to have all these ridiculous characters like Captain Boomerang, like in the same continuity. So yeah, throw them in a Suicide Squad, so hopefully they die off. But this guy, he's doing a triple life sentence for bank robbery? I mean, we see him brain his partner, but I don't think he killed him. He just conked him out. No, he killed him. It was a knife. No, that was a boomerang. Those boomerangs have blade. It made a puncture. He's dead. I took it as he was knocked out. No, this is, I mean, you you talk about Leto taking lines from The Shining, Jack Nicholson. I feel like this is taking a scene from Heath Ledger's Joker, where you kill each person off as you're robbing a bank, so you get the full take. 
Yeah, but I don't ever worm to this character. I get that it has a lot of gusto. If you like to see psychopathic bank robbers, diamond smugglers, whatever he is, he does it very intensely. But uh, I thought that this might be the DC equivalent to Wolverine, and it, it really isn't. He's comic relief here, and mostly. I mean, both my audiences, he got a lot of laughs when he's like, with his unicorn and when he's constantly ready to abandon everyone. Did the unicorn have money in it or something? Why was he, what was the unicorn? No, because Deadpool had a unicorn fetish. So they added this in there. I swear that has to be it. It has to be. I mean, the unicorn has no point. That is so sad. Literally two shots with that unicorn. You don't think he was smuggling the diamonds in it or something? Okay, never mind. Later on, he stabbed and he pulls out this wad of money with the knife in it. And I'm like, where'd the money come from? (laughs) He should have pulled out the unicorn. Yes. I thought it was from the unicorn. But then again, that's me trying to explain something I couldn't explain. That was happening a lot in this movie, by the way. (laughs) I'll agree with Jacob, though. I like Jay in this role. I wish he did something. I'm just going to spoil the climax. He's no part of it. He's there. What does he do? I was bummed we never get to see his fantasy from the Enchantress. No. At one point, he has like a boomerang that they can use like a drone. Why not just have a drone? Why have a boomerang with a camera on it? And they use it to see the villain from far away. That is the extent of his contributions. Yeah, he cuts off a couple nameless troops skulls but in the end where they try to give everyone something to do they're like jay take five and i don't think he's in this black ops prison bell rev or whatever it is i I, he shows up at the very last minute when they're getting on the plane so he's not even sharing a cell with harley quinn and deadshot yeah they toss him in a gunny sack Next, we get a character that I think is near and dear to David Iyer's heart. I don't know if it was actually in the comic, but L.A. gangbanger Diablo. This character, I didn't know what to think of. I mean, I'd seen him in the trailers. I thought the tattoos were over the top, but kind of cool looking. But Jay Hernandez here really turns me around. This guy has a tragic backstory and a desire for pacifism. I really, of all the characters I didn't know, like him the best. Well, yeah, the most moral. The one that has said, I have destructive powers and I'm not going to use them and you can't make me a weapon. I'm a human. I mean, you have to respect that. They try to create a mystery here. He surrenders to authority outside his burning house. It will take much of the movie to realize what happened in that house. Yeah, there's no mystery, right? We know what happened. As soon as they mention something about he lost his queen or something, I'm like, oh, and lost his cool. But yes, he had a woman and children and lost his temper and killed them. And and that should have been the moment where he never used his powers again. Except he does in jail, which I don't get. Yeah, exactly. They have to also throw in that he burns a whole prison yard. And I think, you know, that was just because they wanted that visual. I like that he does have the crown of fire like Hellboy after he does that. But look, I don't want to say Hollywood is racist because it is. We don't have to argue that point. But like, this is the one guy that reduce he kill like innocent people. Like he is going to kill his wife and children. This is the one guy that does it and it becomes a big point later on. It's weird that they got to do that with the Hispanic gangster. And But when you got the big stars, they pull their punches. As a Hispanic member of this panel, I have no problem with it. Yeah. And I, again, I think this is the character Iyer likes best. No, it's the character I think I end up liking most. I like his story. I feel like they give him 
the most death because he is someone that actually has killed innocent people. Yeah, and again, it's a character you would have seen in Training Day, in Fast and the Furious, maybe not with the fire, or maybe in Fast and the Furious 6. I don't know. It gets a little wonky there. <laughs> maybe in 8 we'll see that. <laughs> yeah, but my point is, like, this is somebody that he knows, that he associates with, and I think he has trouble fitting in with this group. Everyone's like, use your powers, and he won't. But I do think that he fits in in Ayer's filmography. Something that never fits in with me, however... What the hell is Killer... What did Killer Croc do that's so wrong to get him thrown in prison? He's ugly? Killer Croc, another Batman villain. I, again, Batman doesn't capture him here. But he is someone, yeah, that is deformed. They say he took a step back on the evolutionary scale. I mean, in the comic, he's a bad guy. He Because he's part crocodile, I guess. He eats people. Or does he eat crocodiles? He's a human with a skin condition who ends up eating humans. He's the elephant man. Because he looks like an alligator, we're going to treat him like an animal and throw him in a sewer pit and feed him stray, uncooked animals. This is terrible. This is abuse to me. Talk about abuse. Iyer made this actor, like, listen to audio of actual, like, cannibals eating people to, to get him into the role. <laughs> wow. How worthless. This was supposed to be King Shark in the original script. It was King Shark. Oh, King Shark is so awesome. It was King Shark in that Assault on Arkham cartoon. They decided that it was either too expensive or Iyer didn't want to go with a CGI creature. I'm guessing too expensive based upon the CGI creatures we do get. So they did this full makeup job on Croc. That is an amazing makeup job. It's nice to know practical makeup still has an artistry that is completely convincing. I am sold that this guy... I mean, we've seen this actor in so much at this point. I mean, I always call him Mr. Echo, but he was in G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. He was in The Thing. He was in Thor. Born Identity just a few weeks ago. Yeah. So unrecognizable here. That's practical makeup. I assume that was motion capture. No, that is all practical. Isn't that astounding? Yeah, I heard that was a five hour a day job. Wow. Well, yeah, very good job. Very impressive. However, that's the last compliment I have for this character. Again, why is this here? He doesn't talk much, but when he does, he's kind of funny. I love it. No way, Shorty. I'm beautiful. Yeah, the other thing Iyer did to this act, like, at one point, Waller's going to call him a pussy. Like, I guess this was not revealed to him. And so he was so hurt. Like, those shots you get of him, like, looking, like, hurt and betrayed are real. Like, Iyer did a lot of abusive things to all the actors, but I feel like Croc got a lot of it. Well, that is keeping with the character. I mean, but... I don't really know this character. They say he was chased out of Gotham by Batman. I assume he did something to deserve that. <laughs> Again, they don't care about this character. Uh, this is a complete waste of time. In a movie overstuffed, you don't need this and you don't add this. Can I ask, though? I mean, I knew the actor was black, but did you know Killer Croc was black until he asked for BET as his reward? Well, he puts on that hoodie. I, I kind of got he was going for a gangster thing. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like, you know, I'm beautiful, black is beautiful. They were playing into that. Croc lives matter. <laughs> but they've saved the best, or is it the worst, for last? June Moon. Is that a worse name than Harleen Quinzel? I kind of think so. Yeah. I think it's the worst character in the bunch. I can tell you... I was with this movie 
And when this happened, I was against this movie. This is the turning point. Really? Yes. I have no problem with this. I mean, in the group of backstories that we get, and we are given all these people's backstories in short succession as Waller gives briefings, she's an archaeologist who plays the role of a PhD much better than Robbie plays the role of an MD. She falls into a tomb. She tries to open this ancient canister and gets enchanted by the girl from the ring and the transformation effect when she transforms in front of the board that black hand interlaces fingers and then the hand flips over i thought that was awesome what is this doing in this movie Stuart? look we're gonna get dr strange in november i thought you might actually dig this stuff because one of the things i like about the dc universe and so far you know three films into their i guess cinematic universe they ain't shying away from magic like i guess we got a little bit of it with thor but he's a god like i feel marvel is kind of scared of this kind of stuff scarlet witch yeah but she's a mutant maybe like i feel like straight up magic they're worried about until we get dr strange later but dc's going for it here and i kind to dig that about the DC universe is that it's you, you'll got Batmans and Supermans and just straight up witches. I thought this was really wrong. Again, I thought I was getting a World War II movie disguised as a, a superhero gang film. And once she enters the picture, and we find out that she's not even one of the members, I was like, I can handle it if she blows in and casts a hex every now and then. They sold her and they sold Slipknot as members of the crew, because they did a massive press tour, and the entire squad went to Good Morning America and Tonight Show, and I think they all were on Conan at Comic-Con, and why do you bring Slipknot along? Why do you bring Enchantress along? But they did. I didn't know Slipknot was a part of this film, but Enchantress, yeah, I did think she was going to be a member of the squad. The fact that she's the villain, like, actually surprised me. Yeah, me too. Unpleasantly, I want to add that word. That is a terrible idea. Okay, you can explain that later. I mean, this is, a again, a group of bad people that are always trying to mutiny, that one actually is able to do it. I don't like the fact that you get Rick Flagg, who is, like, a good guy. He, he's a military guy who's in charge of the squad. Like, that Waller controls him because he's in love with June Moon. I don't like that. All I know is Flag reminded me of a G.I. Joe character. Wasn't there a general flag there? Here's so, Colonel yeah. Flag. Um, and this is a character It was supposed to be played by Tom Hardy, but then he had a scheduling conflict and he was mad because this was a lot of money in a multi-film deal that he couldn't do. Well, I wonder if he's happy now. Well, yeah, he was in an Oscar-winning movie, The Revenant. He was nominated for a statue in that, or he could be in this film. I don't know Joel Kinnaman from much, if anything. Sure you do. He was Robocop in the reboot. That's right. That's right. I do. That is the only thing I've seen him in. Yeah, well, he's Swedish. He he did do a TV series called The Killing. I watched for a little bit. It was a Twin Peaks ripoff without the mysticism. You know, and I do feel like Tom Hardy brings a certain gravity that it would explain a relationship. I don't know that I believe he'd fall for a witch, but I do believe that his character is supposed to have this animosity with Deadshot throughout the movie that I never understand for Joel Kinnaman. I don't understand why there's a beef there. It, it doesn't really make any sense to me. I think as a military guy, he, he sees him as someone that could have been a great soldier and wasted his potential by becoming a hitman. I also like that he calls him a serial killer who takes credit cards. I mean, this guy is an assassin and Deadshot calls Flag out. He's caught up in this blanket of righteousness when in fact he himself, he'll later 
after Waller does something, say, I've buried secrets of my own. He's not a clean guy. I think maybe it's the narcissism of small differences that creates that animosity. We're supposed to see them as the same. Yeah, no, you're probably right. But again, I feel like with Tom Hardy, you believe that Soldier has a hidden edge. With Joel Kinnaman, I just feel like, oh no, he's fallen in love with a woman who's possessed by a witch. Flag is the normal among them. He's kind of the leader. He's Waller's bitch. He's the one who is supposed to lead them all. Unfortunately, I don't feel Kinnaman is exactly cut out. He is dwarfed by his co-stars. I mean, he is even dwarfed by Captain Boomerang. Yeah, but he is the square. I, I don't feel like anyone's, except maybe you, Arnie, is running out to buy a Rick Flag toy. I have one, yes. <laughs> And he's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, that's the way I take it. Nobody ran out to buy a Maria Hill statue either. But Don't tell me that, because that Maria Hill figure was a Comic-Con exclusive that sold for over $200 on eBay. <laughs> Most people were not excited to buy <laughs> merchandise about the regular humans. But they are there, Colsons, if you will, to try and ground the supernatural. To kind of give the Avengers the feeling that they are here on Earth. I feel like that is what Flag is meant to do as they are injected and trained and tested. We get a scene with Deadshot given an arsenal and he goes crazy to some Kanye West. Fun scene. Should have killed Griggs. Yeah. You've talked so much about Griggs. I did not follow this character. At one point, he's like at a casino. I didn't realize that was Griggs and the Joker is going to use his debt to smuggle a phone into Harley Quinn. Like, I see him hand her a phone. I didn't realize that was Griggs in the casino. This, like, this character shows up so much, but I never recognize him. Don't feel bad, Jacob. I didn't get this character's name. I mean, we see Griggs a lot. They say Griggs, like, once in the prison. And when you get him slick down hair gambling out of context... I didn't recognize him in either viewing, but in between viewings, I read the wiki article that said something happened at this casino that was connected to Waller, like one of Waller's men was there. So I'm like, okay, who is this guy? And finally they call him Griggs. And I'm like, okay, but it took two watchings and a wiki for me to really put all this together. Huh. No, I recognized him. The thing that confused me is, okay, of course, Joker's going to blow in and kiss the ring and do a scene that looks like it actually came from the Dark Knight. But then there's a weird scene where Joker goes off to a lab, and I did not understand why he needed to blackmail a techie with having his wife at knife point on an iPad. You while didn't get he that? I mean, they had these Star Trek injectors. I mean, literally like Star Trek, the original series, guns. Yeah. And you see those injecting the bombs, and then you see Joker yeah. with the doctor who makes them. I get immediately that Joker wants to be able to disarm the bomb. Okay, I did not. No. Can we agree that this editing is confusing? I feel like this movie is full of lots of Easter egg, but there's no Sunday morning sermon. I mean, there's like lots of little details to catch your eye, but the plot and what's keeping this thing focused... They hit it. I mean, the trailers never told you the big villain is a witch. They didn't want you to know that because that is stupid. We did not want to go to Ghostbusters. To be determined. I get what you're saying, Stuart, though. Not every scene here makes sense. I got what the Joker was doing when he was kidnapping that scientist. But there is so much where, like, later on, like, Flag is with the Enchantress and then something goes down. And I'm like, huh, what? Where are they? Why aren't they with the rest of the squad? Oh, and then we'll get a flashback later on that will tell. Like, the editing here is a mess and it makes parts of it hard to understand. It definitely had me asking questions as we went through. 
but because I was actively asking questions, I felt like I got most of the answers by the end. They did not reveal the witch in the trailer. Guess what? They didn't reveal Ronan in the Guardians trailers either. Unless you were reading interviews and stuff from the studio, you just knew it was a bunch of space freaks getting together for some reason. Again, the marketing was really aping Guardians, yet this movie, its intent was not to do that. That said, all the way up to the point we're discussing, I'm sitting there going, why the hell are people so down on this movie? This this is a fine music video montage storytelling. I'm having a actually a good time all the way up until they board that plane to go on their mission. I I have no issue with this movie till that point. You had no problem with the witch who wants her heart back connecting with some random businessman in a bathroom, turns him into her brother so they can create a machine to destroy Earth? You're fine with that. It was a twist I didn't expect. I did not expect Enchantress to be the bad guy. So, I, yeah, I went with it. I And they didn't build the machine. She mentions a machine up until this point. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with this basic plot that she gets out. You think she's going to get her heart. She realizes Waller also has the spirit of her brother. I don't understand it's bad storytelling that I guess it was just a random businessman that she chose. Like, okay, like I thought that was supposed to be someone I recognized. He might have been in the hotel that they're in, in a bathroom. She's looking in a bathroom mirror. It could have been proximity or I don't know what. But here's what I would say. If you were watching Guardians, maybe this doesn't feel out of sync. I thought I was watching Dirty Dudson. I thought that they were going to be given a mission that was going to be no one else could do except for them. And truly, the mission that they're given isn't even really connected to the villain. You say you're expecting the Dirty Dozen, and I, from the marketing, was expecting Guardians. That said, I actually want to thank all the critics who damned this movie, because I went in with no expectations. I think the biggest disappointment for this movie is expectation. I ended up judging the movie for what it ended up giving me, not what I thought I was going into. Come on, though, Arnie. You had expectations. You were buying toys. Yes, and I stopped when I saw those reviews. <laughs> He's like, let, let, let's pause on the credit card there. Let's just put a hold on it before I see this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went in with a sales receipt in hand, ready to return. I'll say that. I'll say as someone who's familiar with the comics, I knew that they couldn't go in as like the Dirty Dozen just to fight a group of regular bad guys. I mean, that's how the stories go is they go in, they got to fight zombies. They, I mean, we're told by Waller at the beginning is that we need a group that could fight someone at the level of Superman. So the fact that they're going to go against a witch fine this is marvel level villain for me where we're gonna have someone that's gonna shake her hips and do something magic and th that this does feel like ronan from guardians of the galaxy i don't really care about her her plan is stupid like the people of earth they don't worship us witches anymore they worship machines so i'll make a machine that will kill them it takes her a really long time for a witch to make a machine is that supposed to be irony <laughs> I don't know. I'll say she is worse than Ronan. My real question, and it's a coin toss, is is she worse than Doomsday in Batman v Superman? I no longer want to watch the movie. I literally want to leave. This is the treasure. I now thrust back into a superhero films that I didn't think they made anymore. This is like Electra bad. <laughs> no, okay, I, no, yeah, no. I think you're wrong there. I mean, no, I'm waiting for the sheets to start flying around. Or the dreadlocks from space from Green Lantern. I mean, this stuff, this just announces we're making a bad movie, guys. We're now making shit. 
No, I totally disagree. I mean, how much mysticism do we have to see? I guess because we're going to see magic in Doctor Strange, they're making shit. It's not the case that if you throw magic in, I agree with Jacob. I like that they're going whole hog and just being like, this world that you're, these movies are taking place in, it's messed up. We got witches, we got crocodile people. We're not going to try to be like Marvel and give you a scientific explanation for it. There's just magic. I hate it. And I hate the scene of Incubus going full tentacle in the train station and... Tentacles, but my god, that CGI was really, really cheap. I'm talking like 90s Anaconda film cheap. I'm talking this looked kind of like the Destroyer from Thor or the Sentinel, but with Job the Lawnmower Man's head pasted on it. Not even an upgrade from that 90s Lawnmower Man film. It was... It was shit. <laughs> I wish it looked as good as Brendan Fraser's Mummy. It's worse. Help me walk through what there was here. The flag character and his girlfriend were already in these train tunnels for what reason no 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 i think incubus forms in the train tunnel and i like that effect like he the guy passes out <laughs> i thought it was hilarious i'm a doctor i'll give him cpr but like all these bodies like merge and then he turns into a monster then i think that's when waller sends in enchantress yes. and flag to yes. take out incubus with no knowledge that enchantress created incubus yes correct she should have checked her iPhone. There was a missed call from Flag because he hung up. He didn't report that Enchantress had gone rogue. Right. And she believed she could control her because of the heart. And therefore, she still didn't trust the other Suicide Squad to be sent in. They were really the B team when this fails or whatever. When you find out, ah, ha, ha, this is my brother and, and, and we're going to do whatever we're going to do. They talk about machines. I think something got cut. We'll eventually see that they're destroying satellites in space. And I'm like, I bet that at some point they were going to fire all the nukes. And then they realized that Apocalypse already did that in the 80s <laughs> a couple of months ago. And they said that we cannot do the same scene that was in Arrival Project this summer. That may be part of it. At one point... When she is all-powerful and destroying the world, she's like, I have this machine that will destroy the world. Now tell me how to defeat your armies. I'm thinking, destroying the world kind of will do that. Yeah. The part about this plot that upsets me is the fact that the way they... We're told this goes on for like three days because as soon as Waller finds out Enchantress is involved, she starts punching her heart with a pencil to try to kill her. And so that just weakens her. I guess she can't shake her hips quick enough to make this machine. <laughs> now, I did notice... In in the second viewing because I'm like why the hell is Waller in this Midway City I thought that was a big coincidence maybe Waller was setting up shop there when Incubus starts going nuts one of those admirals does say get Waller and her whole freak squad on site so they sent Waller into this mess and then she just basically got trapped in a high rise there and needed her team to get her out now we didn't get a cameo or anything Midway City that is a DC City, where Hawkman and Hawkgirl once lived, but no Hawkman and Hawkgirl in this movie. I was wondering why, like, if this is a world with the Flash and Aquaman and Batman and Wonder Woman, none of them are like, wow, that city's really going to hell. <laughs> Let's do something. 
It's Midway City. No one ever liked Midway City. Batman can't do anything against this witch, and he hasn't put together the team yet. Wonder Woman, I don't know what she's doing. She's got some beef about suiting up, unless Doomsday's there. And maybe the plan is to let them come in and do it. All that Waller wants is an evac. She wants an escort to get her to her helicopter. It's weird. They want to play her as so tough she doesn't need them. I don't really buy this as a mission. I feel like this mission isn't great. It's pretty generic. It could have been much better. I don't think it's awful like you do. What, what's weird to me is, as the squad is being sent over, we get two more members, like, out of nowhere. Yeah. We get Slipknot. And then Katana. I feel she's really given the short end of the stick here. She just shows up. She's got this soul sword her, which killed her husband. We get a brief flashback of her assassinating a guy who witnessed her husband's death. She gets a couple lines. She's kind of funny. I wish there was more for her to do in this. Honestly, though, I wish she and Captain Boomerang were cut. Yes. Not that I don't like what they do in this film, but they're not given enough to do in this film. The film is overstuffed. Slipknot I'm cool with because they kill him immediately. And I'm good with having the Patsy to prove, hey, we aren't screwing around with this bomb in your neck. But there's just too many, and Katana and Boomerang don't do enough. Yeah, I I was shocked when Katana showed up, because that's a deep cut, DC. She actually did have, like, seven issues of her own comic book, but I guess she's there. Flags, bombs, and guns, they they need more enforcement. They need a magic sword there to keep the squad in line, or they need a magic sword for the end of the film to to close it up. Or they're opening the movie in Asia and they want to have representation there. I mean, again, I get very cynical about the way that they put multiculturalism in today's movies it's typically because they know they need to open these film in all markets throughout the world and have it sell well so this is tokenism to me this is like oh we just need to have this japanese person and it's it's bad i mean she's actually i think my least favorite character i just she has so little to do there's something less than the witch well i don't even consider that a part of the squad (laughs) but i'm saying the the part of this team i mean enchantress is the villain and yes it's a terrible villain but no she just looks like she was got lost on the way to the set of the Kill Bill TV series. I mean, it's, her costume is dumb. Her talking to a sword is dumb. She has no impact on this story. I will say, if you're a fan of her in the comics, it's true to that. I, I get what you're saying, Stuart. If you are not expecting magic, and then a ninja with this costume walks up with the magic sword that she talks to, it's going to be weird. Fans of her in the comics, they'll like it because it's true to the character. I'll agree with you, Jacob, because I saw this movie with the same person I saw Batman v Superman with, and I had the same thing on the way out. Uh, Explain her to me. Explain this to me. If you're into DC, this is probably as exciting as when I see little things like Thanos showing up at the end of Avengers. But since I don't know DC that well, I'm like, okay, she just is kind of useless in this regard. But yes, this entire mission to rescue HVT-1, which I had to Google, it stands for High Value Target. Okay. It did sound like some form of hepatitis to me, It though. did. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. I've been diagnosed with HVT-1. I have to take mm-hmm. these drugs. So they then just go into the city. The one thing they cut that really I felt was a mistake, they come in and they're shot down. And I'm like... 
there's a couple ancient gods with tentacles. Who the hell has a machine gun? Yeah, who shot him down? That's the lack of creativity in the writing. Everything gets shot down. If you notice, their other transport gets shot down, and then Waller gets in one, and that's shot down. I roll my eyes when Waller gets shot down after this, yeah. Yeah, the only thing that doesn't get killed is the Batmobile. They just want to destroy things here. Was this Joker's men then shooting the copter down? No, this was that group of squishy-headed ugly fruits that (laughs) were on the street. That's what I kind of had to assume later. Again, what's weird, the editing here is, like, I'm assuming, oh, obviously you're going in to save Enchantress. I know you said something about how we have to rescue this one person, but you have Harley Quinn looking out the window. Hey, any of you guys see that big shiny thing over there? What's that all about? I'm like, well, obviously that's why you're going in. Like, it's not just to save HIV or whatever this person's (laughs) name is. Is, like, yeah, the squad is kind of dumb if they think that's their only thing because, well, the city's been evacuated. We see people evacuating the city. They got to know something else is up. I did like the shot of the bride saying it's the worst day ever because her wedding was ruined. They really did need a mission in which it was grounded in real world. Like, you know, we saw Enchantress had to break into Iran and steal some secret files or something. I feel like it needed to be real world like something that as you said jacob the comic was conceived as black ops things that we need our country to do but we don't want our citizens to know about here it's very public this is not black ops everyone knows that this city is being attacked by a supernatural force so it's there's no need to cover up i'll say this they needed a training mission maybe yeah maybe they do a black ops thing where they go to iran because iran has incubuses statue and Waller wants that or something. You need something to test the squad out first. I feel like their first test is fighting these squishy-headed demon things, <laughs> and that's no, that shouldn't be their first thing. They, they should have had a mission before this one. That has to be a ratings thing, right? We can't have them killing regular people because that would be an R-rated movie, but if we give them bubble wrap heads, then that's <laughs> PG-13. It's the Lord of the Rings principle. Give it black blood and make it a troll, and you could kill it and behead it all you want. And I think that's a real mistake is by just playing so safe for the PG-13 rating. If you're going to sell me this is the worst of the worst but doing some good, differentiate yourself from Marvel. Don't try to ape Marvel. Be different than Marvel. Give us an R-rated film. That worked for Deadpool to be something different. Now, don't be a jokey R rating. Be a R rating because you have the worst of the worst. You have bad people doing bad things. You have a reservoir dogs of supervillains. I'd be great with that. But Arnie, they have to make up $800 million. That's an R-rating movie probably can't do that. Any R-rated movie. Deadpool did. No, I don't think it did. It came damn close globally. It's over, it's like 780. Yeah. But that's breaking even. Again, they need to do better than that. I think it needs to make so much because they want to make up for Batman v Superman. I think they threw some of that budget in here. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of the red ink here. And yeah, I do want to just say here that DC is not in control of their product. I hear you guys are liking this movie better than I did. That's not a surprise. You like Batman versus Superman more than I did. But I do feel, and, and I'm hoping to get some consensus on this, this movie, particularly the second half, is a real tonal mess of where they kind of, it seems like they conceive of scenes without thinking of a storyline to justify them. That things just happen because it would be cool. Or they had a great storyline and then brought in new editors to cut them apart, so now all we have is these isolated scenes. 
Stuart, I do agree with you. I, I think they come up with a lot of great visuals that they don't know what to do with. Like when the Joker plans to go get Harley back and he's like laying in the middle of a room surrounded by guns and knives and there's some like, <laughs> And baby jumpers. Yeah. I don't know what that's about. It looks great. I have no idea what the point of that is when the Joker shows up and they got guys in panda suits and goat heads shoot like again things look great i don't know why it's happening i am so disappointed first of all there's this character named eyeball which i guess yes, is from the comics he's gone. he was heavy in the trailer i saw this eyeball they made action figures of eyeball i'm like i want to know about eyeball we get a panda head and a goat head but eyeball i barely saw they cut a lot out based on the trailers like i there's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff in those trailers that's not here yeah the baby jumpers was this saying Joker wants what Harley wants? He wants to have a family? Later on, we're going to see Harley's big dream is to have a normal life with Joker. She rebels against Diablo because Diablo thought he could have a normal life and be a supervillain. She, in her fantasy, they're not in makeup. We see Jared Leto regular and her regular with two kids, and she's starting the dryer. That's her big metaphor. Do the baby onesies around Joker mean he wants that too? I don't know because I don't know why they have these things. It's a mandala <laughs> what it looked like to me. It's just like an arrangement of objects lying around the house. And they could have been things she bought. I mean, it reinforces the idea that someone in this relationship really wants a baby. But I don't think Mr. J is looking to change any diapers. What's a disappointment to me, as great as all these visuals are, there, there's been a lot of great visuals that would be great as just a, a single frame. Mm-hmm. When we do get this initial fight, I don't get it. It's just a muddled mess. Like, this is a guy who's done gang movies and done war movies. I mean, Fury had some great shootouts. I don't feel like I'm watching a team fight a, a bunch of weird alien bubbleheads here. It, it feels very choppy. I don't think you're supposed to see a team. I think you're supposed to see at the beginning they're scattered. They were all planning to kill Flag while Flag was distracted by the ugly fruits. But then Deadshot gets the reticle out and sees, okay, these aren't normal people. And he does most of the killing on his own. Boomerang goes to have a beer and play with his unicorn. And I don't know if that's a euphemism. And Harley Quinn, I did like the scene where like all the monster things go after flag and harley quinn's like good riddance and then she's forced to go after them because if flag dies waller from a remote location is going to blow all their heads off and i think we're supposed to find it out later it's through the cutting that i don't know if it's something that happened earlier or later but i think that this is the b team for some reason not suicide squad is not considered enough we also have two different teams of seals one of which gets abducted by enchantress and turned into bubbleheads and so these bubbleheads that are attacking them i think are their own men yeah maybe i have no idea they would have had to have invaded first earlier to be them but there's one of them with a three thousand dollar watch he's no navy seal these are just people who lived in midway city that got turned and became her soldiers you were what, looking at their watches? No, they make a big point of it. Boomerang picks it up and he's like, these were regular people because this is a $3,000 watch. No demon would have this. Oh, I must have blinked when that was on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was a scene when Enchantress started her machine building of just grabbing a civilian and we see their skin start to 
bubble and turn black, and that would explain what we see here. We do see that, but it's later, right? Yeah, it's later. If we'd seen it in the beginning, I wouldn't have felt like they literally flew out of the prison and into the next cineplex with a different movie going on. Like, I was so confused. I wish we were we were just told weird stuff was going on and that we didn't even know Enchantress was behind it at this point. Like I, I feel like that would have been better to just hold off on that and have that be a reveal later. To to know that Enchantress is in charge and doing all this stuff. I imagine that was in a cut at some point. Because later they're gonna find out top secret files and they're gonna find out things that we've known for 20, 30 minutes. And I'm just like, who structured this movie? I mean, mentally, we should have the same outlook going into this situation situation that Suicide Squad does, that we should know no more than they do, and that we learn about what's going on as they do. But because, again, I would argue, DC doesn't know what they're doing. They have all sorts of ideas about what the story should be and what the focus is. It just ends up feeling really, really choppy and highly unsatisfying as a mission. I love stories about a location. I love like the Warriors or something where we move through a city and see carnage they've got the injection in the next like escape from new york i feel like that's what they want to do i feel like the movie they want to make is the one that i wanted to see but they just can't make it they just can't get their act together you're saying they don't know what they want to do i i think it's actually a confidence issue i I feel like we got deadpool because ryan reynolds like took charge and like convinced people that he was going to make this movie i don't think warner brothers has confidence in what they're doing. Like, this got chopped up because of test audiences. Mm. Yeah. But also, even before a test audience ever saw it, the studio execs saw Batman v Superman underperform, Deadpool amazingly overperform, and decided they wanted to try to change it before it was ever seen. That said, I like what you said, Jacob. I would have preferred if Enchantress was playing double agent. Like, we didn't know Enchantress was in on the villainy, and she didn't be so obvious about it. She didn't stand around writhing and building some stupid machine, and instead, she was hanging out with them, like, oh yeah, I'm helping, and actually isn't and then we find out at the one hour mark or 90 minute mark oh my god she's the mastermind and in order to do that we wouldn't have been able to see her change her brother you know we would not have known that she created the villain we would think the villain was just some random guy who freaked out on a subway platform yeah it would have built mystery but i don't know that it would have helped the fact that i don't like where the mystery was building towards. Once they enter the city, this whole movie feels so rote to me. And I'm not going to necessarily say bad, but I'm certainly not going to say good. It's just, we're going through the city. We're shooting stuff. We're infiltrating a building. We're shooting stuff. We're going after a big glowy heap of garbage in the sky. I've seen all of this so many times. I like the actors doing what they do with it. I like... Some of the action, Harley Quinn in an elevator was a lot of fun, but I wish that I felt more original. But did that seem added because people wanted ha-ha? Like, all of a sudden you just see Harley Quinn going up in this elevator. I don't understand why. Like, there are things that just seem out of nowhere, and I think because they're reshot and just edited in. And I feel like her charm is wearing thin at this point. While she was a whole bag of fun in the early scenes, now her lines are kind of annoying. That she's always so oblivious and just doing the same thing. Yeah, getting in an elevator and beating a bubblehead and having it open up and everyone shocked that she did that. I'm like, well, who? Didn't they see the last five scenes? I mean, of course that's what she did. Have the characters had enough moments 
to feel, I know that they're not a team, but that they are becoming one here. We get a moment on the stairwell in which Harley has a flashback to falling into the vat, and she snaps out of it. She's pulled a gun on Deadshot, and they have a moment talking about what it is to be in love. This is the moment that's going to basically change his mind about shooting her. He's going to be offered the opportunity to see his daughter again in exchange for killing Harley, and he doesn't do it because they've had this stairwell exchange. I think there's honor among thieves. He does that toast later on, and Boomerang, the only thing he does is he's like a Greek chorus, because when Deadshot says, oh, she dead, because they offer her him freedom and time with his daughter, and he goes to shoot Harley as she's flying away with the Joker, Boomerang is the only one who looks like, man, don't do that. That's bad. We're a team, you know? Yeah, I felt like they were going almost for a love story between Deadshot and Harley. Like, they get quite cozy a few times. They should have. They did that in the assault on Arkham, is they're infiltrating Arkham Asylum, but, like, the night before the mission, Harley sleeps with Deadshot, and then when they get there, Joker's, like, insanely jealous, and it puts a big rivalry between... Yeah, I thought they were gonna go for that. That would have been awesome. Ah, that is what they needed to do. I can now see that that is the storyline that so needed to happen here. Yes, there is some kind of tension between the two. And the fact that they're talking about love explains why he, a character that never misses and who has said the only thing that he cares about is seeing his daughter again, decides that is not a stake worthy of putting down Harley Quinn. He also said he doesn't kill women, though. Yeah, but if you were going to kill a woman, I do feel like this would be <laughs> yeah. the one you would make an exception for. The scene before this, the buildup, is they get to that very important person, and it's just Waller. Like, again, re you explained, Arnie, why she's there. It was confusing to me. I thought it was going to be more of a reveal. To find out that it was just Waller was kind of disappointing. I didn't even know HVT1 was a person, but the fact that it's Waller, I actually liked, and only because... She is just so manipulative. Of course she would bring everything online to save her own ass. Yeah, I I don't get this moment that she shoots the other agents that were in the room because they don't have the clearance to know. Is she essentially covering up they know that she caused this? Is she responsible for what is happening in Midway City? I believe so. She's the one who thought she could control the Enchantress. Right. She kept the brother bottled up like in her bathroom or right, something yeah. <laughs> next to the perfume by having that tiki statue it's her fault she's hillary clinton they went through the emails and she's tried to delete it here by shooting these agents but she is responsible for this outbreak and so basically she's going to kill whoever it takes to make sure no one ever links her to this supernatural event don't you wish all the other villains in this movie were as gleefully evil as Waller? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, she is the devil. We, we talked about the music that they use. And in the comics, she has spent time in prison because she can't always control her black ops and she ends up, you know, having to serve time. So I, I do feel like, I, for whatever reason, I guess because she's a government official and they're always the bad guys in movies, that she can be a cold-blooded killer. Yeah, I do love the idea that they're working for someone that's even worse than them. I think that would have been helpful to find out around this time. It's just not clean in this story with, you know, witches creating mumbo-jumbo in the middle of a city 
and tentacles flying around that Waller is really at fault. That doesn't translate enough to me. Nothing about this villain translates well because it is just so bland. I mean, it's they're throwing shit in the air just like in Man of Steel and just like in Transformers. Yes, I thought they were going to build a real Transformer and again. just like in... Yeah. Independence Day resurgence. I mean, how many times do we see this? Joker hijacks a helicopter, takes Harley Quinn, they ride off. That gets shot down. We see Harley Quinn jump out and be able to, like, land in her high heels. We think, well, the movie wants us to think the Joker is dead. And then it's hilarious because then Waller gets in a copter. She's the only one, that I guess, that could fit in it. The rest of the team can't. And then that gets shot down. Like, <laughs> just copter after copter getting shot down in this film. You know what I liked about that? Waller shot down the first copter. So they had no reason to think that they would be under fire from the squishy heads. They didn't because they shot all those. I don't know if those were, like anti-heat-seeking missile flares. That's what I was about to say, is those are flares chaff to draw off any kind of targeting so that they couldn't be targeted. They didn't expect to be targeted by a giant tentacle. Nor should they, because that's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many tentacles, I honestly wondered if this was anime. (laughs) I think that the reason they went with tentacles was it was the only thing that registered as 3D in my viewing. I mean, I had the IMAX 3D experience and oftentimes I couldn't tell any depth at all. It was only when the tentacles... Well, it's a very dark movie. I don't know if my projection was underlit, but things seem very dark at night. Yeah, the tentacles do pop in 3D, but nothing else much. So once they find out it's Waller and Waller gets kidnapped, the only unique thing this does is Deadshot going, I don't care if you blow my head off, I'm having a drink. I mean, this is a scene that I actually like is when the team kind of just says, well, we're screwed. Look, they're not great character moments, but I do like that they sit around and talk about who they are. I feel like this is the kind of stuff I want in a dirty dozen with superheroes you know, film is, hey, let's talk about what kind of awful people we are. And I really like Diablo's moment. I don't understand why his wife was surprised he was a gangster because he had all these tattoos before he was like this <laughs> fire starter Diablo. Like he already looked like a thug. I think she knew she just didn't want it in their home is what it is. I, she had to know. I mean, he's providing a lifestyle. She pulls out like guns and money and she's like, what is this? Well, in the home, I think she doesn't want him to bring the violence home and things like that. What I'm disappointed is they cut down this bar scene because in the trailers that very funny scene of Harley asking everyone what they want to drink and Diablo says water and she's like yeah that's a good idea yeah because we did finally get to see him use his powers he, he's been kind of a pacifist and we see that dead shot convinced him to finally use his fire powers to get rid of some bubble heads yeah which is in the trailer oh, oh no hard feelings I was just trying to get you there I liked the trailer scene. I wish more of that was in here because I I do like this character moment where each of them have that. And Harley's reaction to him thinking he could have a family life. The first time I saw this movie, I'm like, why is Harley so pissed off? Why is she like, own it, own it? What's this talk about a dryer? Second time I see it, I'm like, oh, that's her fantasy. She's mad because he thought he could have what she really wants, but knows she can never have. And see, I like this moment because Diablo comes out and says, I am the bad guy. All of them kind of seem deluded, like you're saying. Harley Quinn thinks she could have a family life. Deadshot's always thinking about his daughter. I like that Diablo owns it, as Harley keeps saying, is that he is the bad guy. He killed women and children. It's almost too heavy for the movie that surrounds it, though. The idea that they clearly don't show the burning of the kids, and even when they have the shot of the wife, it's sort of a 
fantasy remembered. I mean, she kind of just puffs into ash. They don't actually show the houses on fire. We know it must have just been third degree burns everywhere, but they render it more in a way that it just feels like a loss to him. But at the same time he's telling this story, there's like this dancing flame girl in his hand that's getting <laughs> snuffed out. I'm just like, that's just kind of stupid. And I, I actually liked that he could use fire to make shapes like that. Like when he spelled by earlier, we haven't talked about that. We just talked of him as like shooting fire from his hands. But the fact that he could like do fire art, I thought was really awesome. It's all about tone. I don't have a problem with any of these characters, or even the Enchantress, if they had set up a tone that justified getting there. But because this movie was conceived in small little bits instead of an overall story, we have what I consider a, a real mess. I mean, from my understanding is this was a darker film until that trailer came out because mm-hmm. different studios cut trailers and that trailer was so popular they're like oh we gotta jazz this up and make it funny i know Iyer denied that and said pickups were for more action but i feel like there was a darker tone before warner brothers Mm. freaked out and redid it all darker or lighter i don't care but consistent i do yeah and that's the problem is all a lot of the reshoots were lighter thus making it inconsistent in order to have consistency and make the changes the studio mandated it's called reshooting the film right But I also feel like it's a real mistake to think, oh, we're just going to have a scene where they talk. No, that should be the movie. The problem is they spent all of the intro just being introduced in their solo life and then in separate cages that they only have one moment to connect. And the stairwell scene, I'm sorry, two moments. A moment on the stairs and a moment here in a bar. And that's the only time. And a moment on the helicopter. Remember, he like knows she's texting Joker and everything. They've had several moments along the way. But they're terrible moments. You understand what I'm saying? They're very, they're like stuck in between what we're supposed to care about and their afterthoughts. And I'm like, no, Tarantino would make the movie about that dialogue. It would be about those interplay. That's why we were here. That was the selling point of the trailer. We didn't come to see this movie because we wanted to see a witch stopped. We came to this movie because we thought, what a crazy cast, and wouldn't it be great to see them play together? Yeah, and that is the shock is how little they play together. I mean, can we just get to the end when they go to Enchantress? I mean, please, yeah. The less we talk about the city, the better. Again, this is Fantastic Four. That's the moment you're building up to is where stretchy guys got to use his stretch powers and invisible girls got to use her invisible. But like they all come together. And I feel like this is the moment where they should be all coming together. I don't know what Captain Boomerang is going to do against a, a couple of South American witches. We see Diablo. He takes his true form to take out Incubus. That was awesome. I had no idea he had a true form, that he is the devil. I wish he looked more demonic. I honestly thought we should see Diablo from like the video game or Hellboy come out. (laughs) Instead, he looks like this strange kind of wicker man. No, he looked more like a South American native or something. There's so some I, I, Aztec design, maybe. Yeah, I exactly. could see that. And, which which kind of works because Enchantress looks like Ilea from Queen of the Damned. <laughs> they should have got Shakira with all the hip shaking she was doing. <laughs> but, you know, no, what I like about Diablo, like Enchantress sees him and does say something to him like, oh, you have these same kind of powers. Like, So I do like that transformation. And I do like that he's the one. Again, I actually end up liking Diablo more than I thought I would. Because he's the one that's not fooled. Because he is so bad, he is not fooled by these fantasies of, you know, Deadshot with his daughter and Harley Quinn and the Joker having kids in a home life. He doesn't buy it. He knows. 
knows he's got so much guilt that he doesn't buy this fantasy that Enchantress shows him. Right, and they got to contrive something for Croc to do. So, you know, the only one even less served than Croc is Clint Eastwood's son. For some reason, Scott Eastwood is also here as the human, and together he and Croc are going to try to light off this bomb that has been conveniently left in the subway tunnels by Flag a couple days ago that actually ends the fight. They don't let Diablo win or lose that fight. They're just both destroyed because Croc Sets off a bomb. It's somehow a bomb that's going to kill a witch. Like, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive bomb. But what would you expect? I mean, Scott's not going to build a bomb for the pussy generation. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my question, Arnie, because you saw this twice. At one point, you know, Croc's like, you know what? This is what I do. I'm going to go down there and swim. And, he, you know, he's swimming. I like when he gets on all fours to go I down. I live down there. Y'all just tourists. I love whenever he <laughs> speaks. For the few lines he gets. Isn't he supposed to be Vin Diesel? I mean, isn't that what they're going for? <laughs> but at one point, I don't know if he turns on the soldiers or the soldiers turn on him. It looks like they're fighting for some reason. I quite didn't understand it. I took it as he was trying to get them out of there and they want to do their mission. And he got the bomb for them, but one of them has to die or two of them have to die in order to set it off because the timer is set to one second. And yeah, Croc, he also does come up and you forget about him after the bomb, but then Enchantress is so pissed off her brother's dead, she stops dancing and starts fighting, and she has Deadshot <laughs> down with a couple of blades that are about to cut him, and Croc comes up from behind and just grabs her by the ankle and chucks her. And that bomb, that killed Diablo, or did Incubus kill Diablo? Diablo was dead anyway, but they both died in the explosion is how I took it. Okay. I, I didn't realize they killed Diablo until he just didn't show up for the rest of the movie. Yeah, fire with fire or something. But Diablo lost the fight, but he was enough of a distraction to keep Incubus in place for the bomb. He put Baby in a corner so he could get blown up. <laughs> nice, yes. <laughs> That's what they kept saying. Get him in the corner. Get him in the corner. No one puts Incubus in the corner. <laughs> they got to give something for everyone to do. And the they don't give anything for Boomerang to do, do they? Well, I think he does do something with the Enchantress. He might throw something, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Harley, boy, the editors don't help her at all. There's no reason to believe that she is going to join up with Enchantress. Well, she believes Joker's dead. No, they cut to the sword on the ground like well before she picks it up. I mean, everything is just telegraphing the fact that she is obviously going in for the kill shot. They don't even try to decide. Well, I, I guess I missed that shot. I blinked then. I actually wondered if she was going for it. No, I didn't. I <laughs> She sold me she was going for it, but... <laughs> Come on, it is there. If Look at the construction of it. They do not try to hide that. You know what? Robbie's performance is better than the film. Because the way she's like, you know, guys, why not? What has this earth ever done for us? Her performance tells me she's going for it, whereas everything in the script is screaming it's betrayal. Yeah, the editing gave that surprise away 10 seconds before. And again, they did. I sense a real loss of confidence in the editing room about we don't know what we're doing. They focused on cool little scenes. They made little music videos that play into one another is what they made. I'll say this, Stuart, my audience at least, mostly teenagers, they showed that Christopher Nolan Dunkirk trailer before the film and like people were like laughing like what's a dunkirk 
So I, maybe that was the test audience as teenagers where they had to really draw these things out so they would see them. I fully understand that they were not making the movie that I wanted them to make, but I do. I would argue I don't think that they knew what movie they wanted to make. I honestly think by being so reactionary and looking what other people are doing, they ended up, yeah, not fitting into anything. But Enchantress does get her heart cut out, which really should have been Katana's one thing to do, but Harley's a bigger star. <laughs> and Deadshot shoots a bomb into, I don't know, that tornado that was making the machine to, I guess, blow it up. I couldn't even, at that point, I, it was a, like a bag floating away in the wind or something. What was that? Yeah, I think Boomerang threw like C4. Yeah, that was all explosives. And Deadshot needs a gun so he can detonate it. And even though he has had a gun on his wrist this whole time... That's Deadshot's thing, is that he has wrist guns. It, she disarmed them, but I paid special attention on the second viewing. The wrist gun is still there, but Harley has to send her love-hate gun to him, toss it across, and he has to catch it. And then Enchantress gives him a vision of Zoe trying to stop him one last time. But he overcomes, he makes the shot, the explosion goes off. And Enchantress is just fine. I guess she's tougher than her brother. She's a little weakened, but she ain't dead. Yeah, they've cut her heart out. We would hate for Flag to be broken up. I mean, come on, we all love him. That's the weird thing is we're supposed to care about that relationship, and this is a hard moment for him to have to kill the heart. The only woman he ever loved. So he says. I actually kind of liked it. I liked that they set it up earlier with her begging him, if it comes down to me or her, even if it kills me, stop her. And then he does make that choice. And Enchantress, I'm glad that a 6,000-year-old spirit knows to say you don't have the balls, but he does have the balls and he crushes it thinking he killed his girlfriend. I wish they hadn't pulled that punch. I wish she was dead. It's a suicide squad. We needed more dead than Slipknot and Diablo. Come on, Slipknot wasn't enough for you? <laughs> I don't think Slipknot's enough for anybody. I wish their career ended before they ever released an album. But now that you've mentioned it, I, I cannot not see it. Because yeah, they, they had that needless moment of Harley throwing the gun to Deadshot as if he wouldn't have a gun. But you're right. What they were trying to do there is say that here was a woman that was obsessed with Joker. And maybe at this moment, she's realizing she could love somebody else. That there is somebody else. There's an assassin that she could fall for as well. And that he could finally fall in love too. That will probably put a baby in her. And there was that scene earlier where like with the things in the neck, he's she says, what about the bombs? And he goes, your friend's going to take care of that, isn't he? And she goes, well, you're my friend too. Yeah. Yeah. And the Joker only takes care of her bomb. It is there. And maybe if more people had seen Focus, they would have understood that there was chemistry between Margot Robbie and Will Smith. There wasn't much in that movie either. That should be here in the end. That tension should be really played up. You know, we're going to see her basically get rescued by Joker, but to know that maybe she doesn't want that would be a good irony. I blame marketing because I kid you not, there's Joker Harley merchandise out there with printed on it hashtag relationship goals as if your relationship goal is to be emotionally manipulated into subservience no that is a <laughs> yeah. bad relationship goal people do not follow their example do not give your girlfriend shock therapy <laughs> bad and do not teach your daughter geometry through hitman strategy either. I, I do feel like there's some bad lessons here. I thought that was fun. I do feel that was funny when he's like, yeah, but then you got to take in wind and weight of the ammunition. Like when he starts going off, that's when it really becomes funny. <laughs> Curvature of the earth. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, it was a fun bit. And again, it sort of almost makes that smaltzy daughter line story kind of fun. The idea that she's learning math through, yeah, sniper strategy is more subversive than most of this film. And their prison life is now better. When the movie started, we saw Deadshot. He wanted a punching bag, so he belted up his mattress and was punching his mattress. Now he has a real punching bag. What did Harley want? She wanted an espresso machine, so she's (laughs) sipping espresso while reading between the sheets. Who knows about Captain Boomerang? He got 10 years off his triple life sentence. This character gets screwed in so many ways. He's screwed by the script. He's screwed by Amanda. He gets nothing except solitary confinement in a prison. He probably was in a nicer prison before all this happened but she's going to escape one last scene here a bunch of people invade and i'm like oh even though they look like swat of course they're the joker's people i did like that the joker's swat uniform said joker on it and jkr on the sleeve i thought this was maybe where we'd get eyeball but no to a bohemian rhapsody cover i want to point out this is panic at the disco so similar to queen you wouldn't even think that it was a different version I actually looked at the soundtrack because I'm like, did they just add all these songs in the trailer because of Guardians or, you know, for whatever reason? And no, most of those songs were on the soundtrack. But yeah, I noticed it wasn't Queen, but it sure sounds like Queen here. Yeah. No, seriously, they did different versions in the soundtrack than are in the movie of several of these songs. They didn't want to pay Queen the rights. But that was Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody you heard. Okay, I'm like, they are really, like, note for note going for what was already done. Why would they do that? Okay. (laughs) I did buy the soundtrack. I've listened to it several times. I really like this end credits song, Sucker for Pain. I'm just a sucker for pain. Imagine Dragons, Wiz Khalifa... And Little Wayne, that one I get really up in. But while the version of You Don't Own Me is really stupid on the soundtrack, Panic at the Disco really is note for note Queen, except not as good vocals. You can tell the vocals in this movie are better than the vocals on the soundtrack. Well, Freddie Mercury, not not many surpass him. No. Truly. No, I, I'm being serious there. I, I have a soft spot for him. No, no, I am too. I'm, I'm, I'm. I agree. He's an amazing vocalist. I respect the hell out of his voice and his mustache and Bohemian Rhapsodies. Thank you, Wayne's World, for introducing me to it. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually get something like DC. Really, now is copying the Marvel formula because we're gonna get a well, not an end credits, but a mid credits scene. They haven't done this before, except out of sight of Green Lantern, was, which was supposed to start off this DC Cinematic Universe. Yeah, and who knew that Bruce Wayne was actually the Nick Fury of DC Universe? <laughs> well, I did because that Justice League trailer already came out. I feel like this scene would have been cooler, and people were really excited about it, but that Justice League trailer's already out, and I've already seen him Nick Fury it up and try to get Flash and Aquaman. So this... Uh, Whatever. I like that they paid homage to Waller staring down Batman as she calls out Bruce Wayne and knows who he is. I don't understand what we're supposed to be learning in this scene. We know that he's creating the Justice League, that he got some files from her in exchange for protection. I don't get it. It's the same reason Tony Stark showed up at the end of Incredible Hulk. It's not telling us anything we didn't know because Nick Fury already showed up for Tony Stark. It's just merely saying, hey, guess what? You guys are actually part of this universe too. Because from what I've heard, Suicide Squad may have a part in Justice League or in Justice League 2 or something like that. Okay. Well, they, they want to keep Harley and Deadshot around, probably. I, I don't know about Captain Boomerang or the rest. Gotta bring back Killer Croc. I mean... I, I, I don't know if can, 
Katana is going to join the league. She probably will for the reasons Stuart stated of appeasement. But Killer Croc, I had to laugh when he's like eating a sandwich and watching BET and rocking out. <laughs> I, I liked that character. He did so little. It was like cutting to the puppy for a laugh every time they cut to him, but it was good. Yeah, Pizza Dog was your favorite thing in the X-Men movie. He, he's about <laughs> as good as that. So Jacob Stewart is Suicide Squad painless. Jacob. Gosh, so many puns I can make about suicide. Uh, maybe a little distasteful. Suicidal failure by suicidal tendencies. Uh, maybe that's my go-to. Like, look, is it painful? Yeah, but it, it's not a suicide. It, it's not a total dead-on-arrival movie. It it's, ends up being very cliche, which, which is the problem. Once you take away all the MTV video music montages, it seemed like we might be getting from those trailers. It's a pretty cliche film, like, with some rote action. I, I do like those video montage moments, though. Like, if you're going to make a movie just out of trailers, like, this has got those good scenes. I like a lot of the visuals here. I like some of them. My favorite joke is, I think it's Killer Croc says... You know what they say about crazy? And Harley Quinn just kind of looks at him and goes, huh? <laughs> like, you know, th th like that, that got a legit laugh out of me. Like everything else I knew, kind of knew what was coming because I threw all the funny lines in from the trailers. But I like that this is different than what I'm getting from Marvel, that it is crazy magic. It could be a way better script. I Look, Stuart, I'm not going to argue with, with you there. I think we came up with a pretty good script. You have that love triangle with Deadshot, Harley, and Joker. I, I think we could come up with a better movie here. But this was fine. I was entertained. I Look, I enjoyed it more than Batman v Superman, and that was a weak recommend. So uh, this is going to get a mild recommend from me. Stuart... <laughs> And see, I'm surprised because to me, well, I'm surprised for a lot of things. One, I'm surprised I don't like this movie because I expected to based on those trailers. And two, I'm surprised to hear you're saying that this is better than Batman versus Superman. I thought it was going to be. I was prepared for it. You cannot say this is worse. Come on. This is the worst superhero movie I've seen in decades. I honestly wow. was trying to think of the last one that was such a fucking mess. And I went to Elektra. I mean, I definitely feel like this is Electra bad with Enchantress and all the things that go wrong here. I get it. There are things here that people love, and so they're not going to damn something that has lovable parts. But to me, I'll turn on something that doesn't use lovable parts well. It makes me angrier that they had all of these good elements and then flushed it down the toilet. That makes me furious that they could have easily had the best superhero movie since Dark Knight, and they made this shitty film. That's unforgivable to me. So whatever's working in this movie, they beat to a dead horse. Honestly, what I want to give a green arrow to is every Marvel movie ever made. Because this <laughs> really stands in competition. Come on, you'd I watch mean, Thor again before this? It's better. Oh, it's no, better. They're no. all better than this. This is so incredible. DC Hulk is, before this? Yes. No. No. DC is so helpful in understanding what Marvel does well. By watching the DC movies, I now understand that even when I'm complaining, those are like first world problems. This is third world problems. This is really big deficits going on in this universe. These are people that do not know what they're doing and the set is on fire and all they got is more fire. I mean, this 
is a mess. No, no, look, they do know one thing. They know how to cut trailers now. That Justice League trailer, that Wonder Woman trailer, and this trailer are some of the best trailers I've seen. So that's what they've got going for. Yeah, no, I agree. Give the guys that created the trailer. Actually, I think they did. And unfortunately, they just made a bunch of mini trailers and didn't tell a story. But I thought this was going to take it to the next level. And it is a throwback to some of the worst superhero movies of the 90s and 2000s. It's an easy red arrow. This movie stinks. I thought I'd be the only one. Thank you, Jacob. (laughs) I really, you stole my recommend, is that I found this movie to be completely banal with good parts. You know, it's right riding that line between recommend and not recommend. I walked in expecting the movie Stuart apparently saw. And I didn't get that movie at all. Putting this on par with Elektra. That is mean. I feel the way about that, the way you feel every time I say The Aviator's the worst movie we've ever reviewed. I feel like that's hyperbole gone retarded. It's like, what? that's, no, that's just not it. This is not Elektra. This is not Ghost Rider. This is not Spider-Man 3. You know, I walked in expecting a Spider-Man 3 experience where I had gotten so hyped. Oh my God, Venom's finally coming to the screen. And I wasn't collecting Marvel back then, but I started and then I saw Spider-Man 3 and my hopes were completely just dashed. And I walked out of that theater feeling jilted. I did walk into this theater with very low expectations thanks to, I didn't read any reviews, but I saw the headlines about the Rotten Tomatoes score. And so when I was sitting there during the first half and going, wow, I'm actually enjoying this. I, like Jacob, really liked that opening video montage. The music they chose, they were really aping Guardians. I mean, down to the fact that they have Spirit in the Sky in this movie, which was in Guardians. It's like, okay, but it's working for me. It's working for me on the level that Armageddon does, where you're using a lot of music as shorthand to characters. The non-chronological storytelling did hurt it, but not fatally. And upon repeat viewings, it's a movie that actually gets better because you now know what happened before what you're seeing happens. I watched it once and I walked out of there going, I'm going to recommend this. And Marjorie looked at me like I just spoke Swahili and stepped in dog shit. And so her reaction was so violently against this movie. I went back to be sure. I'm like, well, I'm going to go on the record and I'm going to be the only one recommending this. So I'm going to go back and make damn sure. I liked it better the second time. Yes, the problems with the editing are very apparent. And there's Huge chunks of story, I think, are missing. I mean, news articles are just starting to spread of what scenes were cut, like that Harley didn't fall from the helicopter. She was pushed by Joker from the helicopter after an argument. And there's so many questions we asked in this podcast. Why does this person do that or this? Well, an adult novelization, not one of those junior novels, but a real book is coming out from longtime comic writer Marv Wolfman, and I've pre-ordered it. If the book has answers, if it is actually an insight into the original shooting script, then I will do a quick review that won't take me anywhere near as long as my King reviews. I'll summarize what these differences are over at Books and Nachos. And if there's no differences, well, I'll post it in the forum thread about this chat. But no matter what the book clears up, the problem is, once their mission starts... It becomes average, and if the whole movie was that city stuff, 
then I couldn't recommend this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to put it out there. I more or less liked the content of those 40-minute early part you're talking about. I didn't like the way that it was disseminated through the editing and the back and the forth. But yeah, I thought we were set up with a pretty good team to tell a great story. But then you're saying what I'm saying. Their mission stunk. No, their mission was average. It didn't stink in the way of the treasure for Electra. It didn't stink as in the contract of la venganza from ghost rider but it was very very rote and in the end to me this is just dc continuing to basically shoot on par or one or two strokes above par meaning not quite good because legitimately we're three movies in i thought this movie would be the one that sparked me i saw the justice league trailer and i said you know I'm not going to trust the good trailer because Zack Snyder has burned me twice with moderately okay films that I hoped would be great. And honestly, coming out of Suicide Squad, I'm like, am I any more excited for this DC universe than I was for Green Lanterns? Now, remind everyone, I recommended Green Lanterns, which doesn't mean that it's total shit. It's just that I don't (laughs) think they're doing any better. (laughs) I honestly laugh because I'm like... Warner Brothers has this juggernaut of movie making, even if this movie does underperform. And Batman v Superman, 800 million, but they called it underperforming. They are so invested. They're done with one movie and in the middle of another. It's like they're just going to ramble ahead. That, ramble is the key word there. That's part of the problem is that they need to slow down and make one good movie before they build a universe. And they don't have time because they're trying to do what Marvel did, not realizing Marvel took their time initially to do it, too. Yep. They did Iron Man and Hulk, and Hulk had some of the same problems we talked about here. I mean, a director who came in with a vision, or actually Ed Norton came in with a vision, a studio that didn't trust it, cut a ton of material, and the end result was compromised. But then they did take a year off. And went back to their known quantity with Favreau back for Iron Man 2. And then the next year, after they'd been at it for three full years and five counting the pre-production and production of Iron Man, then the machine got rolling. But they started off on a very good foot with Iron Man. Here, they started off wobbly with Man of Steel. They stumbled a little but still moved forward with Batman v Superman. Here, it's like they're just continuing an awkward stumble and i'm like the worst part is that they think they've fixed the problem by removing that producer but that producer was on set during wonder woman and is on set during justice league his tenure ends after the first justice league movie meaning we have another year of at best okay movies from them while hopefully marvel continues to kick ass i wanted this to be on par with deadpool for fox and captain america for marvel and it just, it's fine. Oh, it's its about X-Men Apocalypse for me. I like it more than that. I mean, I'd watch this before X-Men Apocalypse, but <laughs> yeah. that was a barely recommend. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, but he, again, here was someone super... I don't think any of us is saying this is a really good movie. What I'm hearing you say no, is... No, very mild recommend. <laughs> there's enough about it to, to give you hope it will be one day. No, I'm saying this one's worth watching. It's a good time passer. I love the art design in this movie. I love the costuming. I love the soundtrack. I love the actors and their performances. Uniformly, I don't even mind Enchantress. It's what is written for them to do that fails me. Yeah. 
I agree with all of that. I don't have any personal beef with, with actors. I have a problem with the DC Universe. And I wanted to say, Zack Snyder, it's not you. It seems to be problems above you. It seems to be that you're not the one insisting that your artistic vision is going to be what the DC Universe is. The The problem is DC Universe just hasn't coheled. No, it's that Warner Brothers let Zack Snyder do that. But yeah, there are bigger problems than just Zack Snyder. Yeah, I do think that you need to give him a little bit of an apology because this movie isn't any better than movies he's made. It's the best of the three, I'm saying. I I think it's better than the two he's made. Okay, yeah, I guess you guys do. You know, the biggest compliment I can give Warner Brothers, their DC brand is very consistent. (laughs) In its inconsistency. (laughs) marginally better, and I'm saying this is leaps and bounds, but I'd watch this before Man of Steel or Batman v Superman again. Really? And those were both recommended. That's really surprising. Because I hate Superman so much because of (laughs) Zack Snyder. He makes Superman awful to watch. I do know you hate that Superman. I, I know that. I think this movie follows a tradition Zack Snyder started. Zack Snyder produced it. Zack Snyder was kind of masterminding the universe. But wasn't he imitating Nolan? I mean, can't you say it all started with Nolan taking superheroes so seriously and making World War parables? Yeah, but Nolan's an actual artist that knows how to do that. Zack Snyder is a hack who only tries to mimic that because those were popular movies. Look, watch Sucker Punch and you know what Zack Snyder is, what he thinks of art. I think the problem is DC thought that what Christopher Nolan was doing was commercial enough to be its own universe. And I think what he was doing was very specific and it was very rooted in the times that they were made and should not be, Mm -hmm. that should not be the vibe of this DC universe. If you're going to bring in enchantresses and all of that, get rid of the solemn, get rid of all of that and just, yeah, make something that feels heroic. You know, I, I do feel like we're owed a DC superhero movie where we can actually cheer for somebody. And I'm just not feeling that ever. I think their mistake is trying to be Marvel. They coexisted as comics for decades, both trying to one up the other. But admittedly, Marvel did get Fantastic Four started because Stanley was told, go make us a Justice League. But DC was innovating. I think that they needed to take more risks. Here, they tried to play it too safe, and they're trying to scramble to build a universe instead of doing it the right way. The fact that they brought in some of the comic people, I don't really have any hope for a Flash movie or an Aquaman movie, so I don't know when I think DC is going to get better, but maybe 2019? Wonder Woman? People seem to like the Wonder Woman trailer. Wonder Woman looks like a great Captain America film, and I gotta say, Aquaman looks better as Thor than Thor did in those two films. Like, that may be the best Thor movie is Justice League. Wonder Woman, I'm just not excited for a period piece, and the fact that I know the same producer was on Wonder Woman that was on here, and the fact that the studio is still trying to play it safe, I'm just expecting a really grim and gritty Captain America the First Avenger. I could go for that. That movie was pretty good. We'll see. They're consistent, so I'm not petrified of it, but I'm also not excited for it the way I find myself excited for even Doctor Strange. You know, I I didn't like that TV movie. I think the character is a hard sell, but I am far more excited for Doctor Strange than I am for Wonder Woman or Justice League. I'm far more excited for anything Marvel, including Ant-Man and Wasp the movie, than anything DC is doing. Wow. Stuart has finally taken a side on DC versus Marvel. 
I can't believe we've come to this point. I know. We have immersed him enough to take a geek side. <laughs> I am on the side. And I, I'm, I'm talking about reading the comics. I actually think the characters, the ones, the comic books I'd rather read are DC characters. But as far as movie goes, without a doubt, I am Team Marvel. And, you know, this is going to test me. I did enjoy in a campy way that horrific TV movie Doctor Strange. But yeah, the fact that they're going magic and trying to insert that into the Marvel Universe is dicey, and we'll see if they do it. It'll be the next superhero movie that we're seeing is this November, Doctor Strange, and then, yeah, I think the next DC superhero movie we're getting is next summer's Wonder Woman. We're not doing Lego Batman in January? That's not our next DC movie? Nope, and don't complain about it on Facebook. Don't encourage <laughs> That is a Lego movie, not a D- DC movie. Yeah. All they need to know is that I was talked into seeing the Lego movie against my will and a low. Wow, it. okay. It's <laughs> mediocre. Everything was not awesome. I agree. Oh, I hated that song. Every ooh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer does look pretty funny though from Lego Batman. <laughs> I'll write up a review for the Gazette because I am going to see it in theaters, but I'm going to like a 10 o'clock show after it's been out for three weeks so I don't have screaming kids. (laughs) But speaking of screaming kids, school is going back in session. Our summer movies are over. I think it's time we hit the books. Yeah, we're going back to prison. Back to Stephen King, but for some kind of unking-like stories for the next couple weeks. Different Seasons was his attempt to tell novellas and and stories about men that aren't in supernatural crisis. Shawshank Redemption, At Pupil, Stand By Me, these are coming-of-age stories. And that's going to be our next three weeks, and we're doing quite a bit of horror for Halloween. The next couple of months, we're going to do Stephen King. Surprise! There's a new Blair Witch movie, so we're going (laughs) to squeeze that into the schedule. Rob Zombie's 31, all coming up in the next few months. And if you enjoyed this show, please head to iTunes, leave us a review. We really appreciate the feedback on there. It's great if you click high stars. It's even better if you add a sentence or two to it to let other people know why they should listen to our show. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. Until next time, justice has been served. Well, we almost pulled it off, despite what everybody thought. Worst part of it is they're gonna blame us for the whole thing. And they can't have people knowing the truth. We're the patsies, the cover-up. Don't forget, we're the bad guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's DC Movie Universe Retrospective Series. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Stay down! I wanted it, you'd be dead already. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Can you imagine how people on this planet would react if they knew there was someone like this out there? And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss the DC movies with other listeners. I love it. I love bringing people together. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other comic book films, such as Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four. I can't wait to show you my toys. You can also listen to our reviews of other movie series, including The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts 
at NowPlayingPodcast.com. The world's too big, Mom. Then make it small. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. Not sold anywhere commercially in the world, even Black Market. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. This may be the only thing I do with the matter. I know you're trying to find out where I hang my cake. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Support from listeners like you. Help keep Now Playing operating. Be a huge burden for anyone to bear. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. No money, no honey. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcasts by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t shirts, coffee mugs, mouth pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. <laughs> nice suit, son. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the turns, good men. Cruel. Now playing credit narration by Brock. Sorry, the voices. I'm kidding. That's not what they really said. Now playing is not affiliated with DC Comics or Warner Brothers Pictures. DC Comics and all that the DC Universe contains are copyright and trademark Warner Brothers Entertainment, and no infringement is intended. I've seen it, Mr. Wayne. He thinks he's above the law. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Today is a day for truth. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Will Smith, Jared Leto, Margot Robbie, Joel Kinnaman, Viola Davis, Jay Courtney, Jay Hernandez. Adewale Akinoye Agbaji. Killer Croc, real name Waylon Jones. Adewale Akinoye Agbaji. Played by Adewale Aknoye. Nope. He doesn't kill women and children later on. So he's sexist. Let's get him. I'm triggered. He won't kill women. <laughs> what is Wesley doing out of prison? I'm assuming like workout tapes or something. Like nice. Probably something really degrading. He was in Expendables 3 oh. making prison jokes. <laughs> where he literally gets broken out of prison in the beginning. He's doing some movie roles and says he's talking about Blade. I like Wesley Snipes more than Will Smith. That's too bad. It's too bad how it worked out. Oh, well.
Such is life. Why you want more Blade movies? You, you I know I want prison? more Wesley. I always thought Wesley Snipes deserved a better career than he got, but oh well. <laughs> and then Katana, I feel she's really given the short end of the stick here. She just shows but up. Sh- yeah, swords. well, I was trying to be subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was shocked when Quintana showed up because th- that's a deep cut, DC. Like, <laughs> but dum bum <laughs> Sucker for Pain by Lil Wayne, Wiz Coffee, and Imagine Dragons. That one I get really up in. But there, the Wiz panic Khalifa. Of this, what's that? I thought you said Wiz Coffee. It, Wiz Khalifa? Is that who you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I said Wiz Khalifa. Okay. I didn't say whiz coffee, even though in the middle of the show I did whiz coffee. <laughs> Does your coffee make you want to whiz right now because you've drank so much? I just want to help you because you know if you say it wrong, you're going to hear it 20 times. <laughs> that is fucking true. <laughs> I'll agree. He is as good as Pizza Dog, and I love Pizza Dog. I went out and I bought Pizza Dog. <laughs> Literally, yes. I've seen the Facebook pictures. Yeah, you were, yes. Perhaps the ultimate collectible. <laughs> a living dog that is Pizza Dog. <laughs> I torture you. 